Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week... It's Rosa's lie. <gasps> Rosa. Well, we were very nervous about this one and bad things do happen in it, but it's not as, um, I mean, we hope will mm. not be as traumatizing as um, Friend Against Friend, which was the last book to explore racism in the Sweet Valley universe. So... There, there is, uh, there's some classism and snobbery, yes. and yes. our beloved Lila. Oh, <laughs> frankly, being a racist bitch. Yes, uh, very much so. Yeah, I, I think my notes several times just call her a fucking bitch. Uh, mm. So she disappoints us greatly. Oh, so much. But like, yeah. So yeah, you couldn't even call them microaggressions. Like at some point, they are just straight oh, no, aggressions. Like, so, yeah. quite explicit aggressions. Yeah, yeah it's um, not good. So, you know, just bear that bear that in mind. I mean, we are obviously not the best judge mm. whether um something is is going to upset people. Um, but I I think this one is more of a like it's they it's it's not as extreme yes. as the last one. True. So, yeah, like it's it's not yeah, there's no violence like. Oh god, no, no, no. no. Um, it's like weirdly, that's a bar that's now been set by Sweet Valley. It's like Jesus. Jesus. Wow. I think we'd have to do this. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, now that we have, uh, we've, we've, we've hopefully given people a warning whether they want to listen to the rest mm. or not. Uh, we'll dive right in with taglines and blurbs. Let's do it. What is the cover tagline? Will Rose ever be proud to be Rosa? Happily, the answer is yes. Oh, thank fuck. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, Ro- Rosa. Um, does come through in a way that other characters have not in the past true. in terms of, you know, standing up for themselves mm. and knowing what's important. That's true. It takes a while, but she does get there. Oh, it does. Um, and the uh, the back cover is Family Secrets. Oh, wasn't, mean, wasn't Family Secrets a title of one of the books before? Oh, I think it was. Wasn't was it, it twin, the one with the... With the, twi- with the not, not twin, the... the, the not yeah, lost brother. The that identical was, cousin. Oh, the no? identical cousin. Yeah. It was called <laughs> Family Secrets. Secret. It literally just hit me there as I was looking at these words together. Oh, they're getting lazy now. <laughs> they're the recycling things. Yeah, come on, guys. Pull the finger oh, out. Also, there aren't really family secrets. Her family aren't keeping any secrets. She's keeping one secret about Very her true. family. Yeah. <laughs> Just have to be sticklers about these things. Every time. Well, can you share the full blurb, please? I sure can. Okay. 
Rosa Jameson, daughter of immigrant parents, decides to start a new life at Sweet Valley High as Rose Jameson. When Jessica Wakefield and Lila Fowler ask her to pledge their exclusive sorority, Pi Beta (laughs) Alpha, Rose believes her scheme is working. She's sure they would never have asked her if they knew she was Mexican. Yikes. Yeah. Rose's secret is safe until her grandmother from rural Mexico pays an unexpected visit. Rose is determined to hide Nana from her friends during sorority pledge week. But as Nana teaches her to be proud of her heritage, Rose becomes ashamed of her deception. Will being true to her heritage mean losing her friends' trust and friendship forever? Well, we're going to keep you in suspense, listeners. And uh, not answer that question, as we usually do. Mm. But... um, Yes, I think we just, this makes it clear from the start that Ro, Rosa slash Rose, she is calling herself Rose for most mm. of the, the book. Yeah. Um, she does not have a huge amount of faith in the Pi Beta Alpha members and uh, probably accurately. That's the thing. Yeah, like her her caution is not entirely misplaced, which is a shame, but there you go. Yeah. Oh. Well, just says something about the general standards of Sweet Valley that you kind of assume they're all going to be massive racists. Yeah, God. But, it's like discussing this before recording. It's like, it wasn't as racist as I was expecting. My goodness. <laughs> like, <ugh. laughs> well, I mean, the cover is spec- is quite spectacular. But I'm just going to say now, Rose looks, or Rosa looks about 35. She looks great. She looks about 35. <laughs> she does. Yes, that's true. Um, but again, it's it's that three person cover. So always a treat when it happens. Oh, yes. Um, we have it's both twins. <laughs> it's oh, my goodness. OK, so we've got <laughs> we've got Liz and Jess on either side of Rosa. Um, so the twins are rocking the high waisted jeans. <gasps> Very on trend. Very on trend. This is the thing. It all fucking comes back around, doesn't it? Uh, so we've got Liz to one side in her barrettes because, you know, barrette truthers unite. We know where oh, we stand. Oh, yeah. We'll group. go back to that later. <laughs> and she's wearing a, well, presumably a silk blouse. Uh, of that course. looks kind of yellow, like a pale yellow, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, the hair is up. She's just kind of looking over at Rose slash Rosa. Uh, Jessica has her, she's kind of like resting her elbow on, uh, on Rosa's <laughs> shoulder and rocking quite the blazer. <laughs> It looks like something Mick Jagger might have worn in the Dancing in the Street video. Shit, yes, that is exactly the vibe. Oh my God, yes, it's huge. It's got massive shoulder pads and it is 1000% Mick Jagger. My God, yes, you're so right. Call it out around the world indeed. (laughs) It's it's a hell of a look. Uh, She has a pale pink t-shirt on underneath it and it is quite the look that she's rocking. My God. She's ready for a brand new beat. (laughs) Aren't we all? <laughs> and can you describe their new teacher? I mean, Rosa. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, did Miss Dalton get a makeover? <laughs> oh my God. That could be the cover of, of a book actually as well. That's what this could be. Miss <laughs> oh Dalton's got a whole new look. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Rose slash Rosa, she like, she's gorgeous. But as you say, like this is a woman in her thirties. Um, so she has her, her hands on her hips. She's looking quite defiantly down the camera um, has a nice uh, shiny black bob uh, mm. little fringe the fringe is a little bit Lydia oh, it's Deeds bad. Uh, yeah. it's got the the strands in place very um, yeah it's, it's a bad a poofy fine fringe mm. you see you, you need a good chunky fringe I love a good fringe as, as a fringe haver oh. I enjoy a good fringe I, I am jealous of your fringe because my hair is too thick and wavy and if I had fringe it stood out like a shelf every so often I say to my hairdresser do you think I could get a fringe now oh. like, no no I'm not doing it still no 
Oh, well. And Rose is wasting a fringe. She is. She could do much better. Uh, however, she is doing that thing that we love where she's wearing an outfit that is part of the storyline and in the book. Yes. Which is great and always extremely satisfying. She's wearing uh, this gorgeous red kind of halter neck dress with kind of a flared kind of skirt. I thought it was like a red uh, dress with white polka dots but it's actually tiny white flowers yes um, well it is in the book it does look like polka dots on the cover yeah but, but actually on closer inspection mm. they could be flowers i think I we can allow could. it yeah. yeah fair enough because i did go back and inspect the cover as soon as they mentioned flowers i was like hang on a second <laughs> <laughs> i saw polka dots but yeah if you're really getting close they could potentially be flowers <laughs> i'm giving them a pass on this anyway <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's it's still a great look, whether they're spots or flowers. True. And yeah. uh, yes, it's a very dramatic cover. It's great. Yeah. The book lives up to it in drama. There you go. Yeah, we love to see it. Because we begin in the cafeteria where all the gang are discussing how, you know, why lunchtime is in the middle of the day, which none of them seem to think because that's when you're hungry. They mm. have many other theories. Mm. Uh, Jessica says it's so the students can soak up the rays while uh, when the sun is at its hottest and I guess also get skin cancer and <laughs> um, Winston says that the teachers need time away from them but uh, uh, Jessica doesn't care about this she just says lunchtime is sun time yeah that's what she's up to time for more tanning well, this uh, is uh, an excuse for a twin comparison uh, because we're told that Elizabeth had to laugh at her twin's predictably self-centred worldview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Oh, God. What else can you do? <laughs> well, we're told in this twin comparison, and this is relevant to later events, that Jessica has perfected the art of determining the exact minimum amount of studying required to do well in any given class mm-hmm. or has she well this is what she thinks anyway <laughs> mm. i'm also reminded that she has found love <gasps> sam Woodruff. oh sam yes a student at nearby bridgewater high so she's mm. uh yeah they've been dating for long enough for it to be called a relationship at this point mm. very unlike her <laughs> very unlike well we're also told that the one thing the twins have in common is their membership of pi beta alpha and it's not the good kind that you can join by signing up to Headstone Plus for as little as five euro a month. It's the bad kind. They're they're really racist. Yeah, it's it's our sorority's evil twin. Yes. So, or we are the good twin. I mean, well, they're all very excited because pledge season is coming up. Yeah, apparently it's that time of year, I guess. You, know, I mean, you, could, you, you could potentially take that to mean it's a year since Robin Wilson tried to get into PBA, but uh, yeah. we're we're not really referring back to that at all, it seems like. So no, we are not. Time is meaningless as ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're, um, they're all excited about it. Lila can't wait to do the interviews because they're her favourite part. And Kara says, you mean you like raking people over the coals? <laughs> and Lila says, who me? <laughs> we love a bit of Lila feigning innocence so uh, yes. enjoy it while it lasts because Ooh. she makes an absolute show of herself in this one <laughs> she does so the sorority chat reminds Todd that he can't remember the last time the Pi Epsilons got together and he says they uh, need to revive the fraternity but Winston reminds him why he and Todd lost interest in it over <laughs> recent months yes and I absolutely <laughs> love how he phrases it um <laughs> Because yeah, they've both yeah they have kind of lost interest, and 
they uh, they both kind of look over at, uh, at Bruce Batman, who, of course, is part of the fraternity. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Winston says, you know, I, I can't I can't help seeing one big obnoxious obstacle to progress. Good old one, Bruce one. Yay! I, I love that that's love actually this. what he calls him, because that's it what does. we call him too. It <laughs> it's so good. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Todd thinks that they can revive it, but again... One Bruce one is in the way. It's true. <laughs> and he's currently checking out a, a girl and not just any girl. <laughs> well, no, it's Rose Jameson, the new student oh. at Sweet Valley High. So everyone's kind of wondering about Rose. And uh, I think this is the first time in a while we haven't had some mention of like, oh, Liz is going to go interview her for this fucking yeah. piece that they do <laughs> in the article oh, every yeah. time a new student turns up. So they've obviously just given up on that feature, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they all rave about how gorgeous she is. This is what they're like when anybody new turns up. They're suddenly all like, yeah, she's really nice. She is really cool. She's friends with everybody. She's, <laughs> she likes everybody from the jocks to the nerds. It's kind of like the bit of Ferris Bueller where the secretary is going on about, you know, all the different types. They all adore him. Ferris. <laughs> God, it's true. There's never any like goths or like... Yeah. <laughs> You know, some weird arty kid who people are like, oh, they're a bit strange. No, it's somebody who's delightful and gorgeous and mm. everybody just loves them. Not that goths can't be delightful and gorgeous. Of I, course. I have been a goth. So, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> justice for goths. <laughs> I was a terrible goth. I was very smiley and cheerful all the time. <laughs> I know quite a few uh, former goths who were all quite very chirpy and funny mm. so I don't know I think yeah. uh, goths are clearly being misunderstood we get a bad reputation we just like wearing weird clothes <laughs> and painted Slayer t-shirts sometimes okay <laughs> <laughs> well Rose may not be hanging out with goths but she is on her way to have lunch with Olivia and Penny because she's going to write for the oracle well that doesn't yeah. go anywhere in the rest oh, yeah. of this book um, Lila when she hears this rudely literally says yawn <laughs> She says that in front of Rose as well, actually, doesn't she? Yeah. She's so she was, rude. She's terrible. <laughs> um, so Rose goes off to to hang with Olivia and Penny. And when she does, uh, having got, um, having been persuaded by Jessica to join them in the Dairy Burger later, hmm. uh, Lila says that they've got to lure Rose away from Penny and Olivia. Because, um, uh, you know, they can't have her hanging, getting in with that bad crowd. Oh my God, yeah. She actually says we'll have to show her the error of her ways. <laughs> And then they all, because they literally have nothing better to do than just start going on and on about this random stranger. They just keep asking each other questions about Rose. Where's she from? Why did they move from Massachusetts? Like, what's the story with Rose Jameson? <laughs> and uh, Lila's got the full fucking backstory right on her right on her lips. Oh my God. Yeah, maybe Liz has already written her piece and Lila's just the only one who's oh, read yeah. it so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because her uh, Rose's parents own a company, a tool company, uh, Lila's dad had said. So apparently they decided to expand and incorporate and picked Southern California as a good place uh, to relocate. Yeah. By the way, Jessica says, Rose is a lot of fun. History isn't nearly as boring since she came into the class. What is she doing? Is it because she's your teacher? <laughs> because that's what she looks like on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's as good an explanation as ever because I can't <laughs> understand how one person made a history class, one student made a history class so much more fun. I don't get it. <laughs> well, they're all obsessed with her and her various social choices. Like, I've heard she wants to join this team. I've heard yeah. she wants to do this. But then Amy intrigues Lila and Jess 
by saying what she's heard. Yeah. So uh, Amy says that she's heard that Rose wants to join a sorority, Um, Mm. even though like in the last book, there was already a bit about Lila kind of sussing out Rose for the sorority, I think. That is true. So this was already on their radar. Yeah. I guess this ghost ghost writer didn't read the end of the last one too closely. Could you blame them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the end of the school day, Rose walks to her car and thinks, Sweet Valley, California, it really looks like a place where (laughs) dreams can come true. Stop it, Rose. What is it about there's seriously something in the water supply this day? Well, she's accosted by some random boy called Eddie Strong, who makes sort of inane conversation. Then he points to his car and says, There's my vehicle. And Rose says, Right next to my vehicle. What? Um, Stop saying vehicle. It's very weird. God, it is a weird word choice, isn't it? Also, his car is light brown, so there is a fucking car colour for you. <laughs> Yikes. Hello, 1992. <laughs> nice tan car. Mm. Um, so yeah, he asks her out. Yeah, apparently she's been asked out by loads of guys. Uh, like she's being inundated since she arrived. It's like, wow, sounds like an intense first week, Rose. Um, really does. Everyone's obsessed with her and like umpteen boys have asked her out. True. Sounds a bit intimidating, but uh, yeah, she's enjoying herself. Apparently she'd stopped keeping count of how many guys have asked her out so far. It's like, wow, good for you, Rose. Oh, um, we can all relate to that, of course. Oh my God, so relatable. <laughs> But um, yeah, she she kind of, well, she doesn't blow him off, but she just says that she has plans because she's going meeting a bunch of people at the Dairy Burger that night, which is what Jessica had already kind of invited her to. So just says, look, maybe I'll see you there. So she's kind of non-committal to mm, yes. all these guys badgering her for dates. Well, we do learn that one of the reasons she's sort of playing it slow when it comes to boys is because um, if she's not dating, it wouldn't be necessary for anyone to pick her up at home. I mean, that's a contrived way of introducing the fact that she has a secret she doesn't want people to know about. But also, mm. like, I'm sure you can date without people picking you up at home in, in the normal world. Well, in Sweet Valley, maybe. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, in the real world, sure. In Sweet Valley, no, everyone has to know your exact address and come pick you up. And they get really annoyed when you don't want them to. Yeah, really tomorrow. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Seeing his terrible incarnation in the TV series has made me hate him even more. There's literally nothing redeeming about this guy. (laughs) In any medium. (laughs) Well, Rose thinks how great it was to hang out with the in crowd at lunch. And she does think, oh, they all seem so confident. They take their status for granted. And we're told she doesn't miss her old friends from school in Texas. Texas, not Massachusetts. (gasps) Because her new friends are the kind of friends she'd always dreamed of having. For no reason I can see. I know, yeah. It is weird. yeah, also pretty rude to her old friends, I guess. Yes! <laughs> it's like, those I losers, I'm finally free of that fucking dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> now I can hang around with these vapid cows. popular white girls, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the waspiest town on earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, there is one thing bothering her in this dream town. And that's the fact that she has told everybody she's from Massachusetts and not Texas. Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, we're we're told here she could finally be this kind of person she'd always wanted to be. A member of the in crowd at Sweet Molly High. What a horrible thought. Yes. And thinks, as long as I'm creating the present and future, what's wrong with recreating my past? <gasps> we cut to Tuesday evening and the pie beaters are gathered in the Castel Wakefield. 
I'm reminded of who all these losers are. And also the fact that Jessica doesn't even like half of them. This is the thing. I don't, I don't, like, yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on. I also, I forgot that Enid was in yes! PDA as well. I was like, sorry now, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, like Jessica devotes pretty much an entire paragraph thinking about how much she doesn't like Enid. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like Caroline Pierce is oh, in yeah. here too, which I'd also forgotten. And the yeah. fact that apparently, yeah, Caroline like lives a few doors down from them on Calico Drive. Again, something I'd forgotten. I was like, oh, yeah. You feel like she should be in it much more as like practically their neighbour. But uh, yes, she's very much on not. their road. Yeah. Mm. Well, Liz isn't there because she's babysitting <gasps> for Mr. Collins. <laughs> That's the only reference we get to him. And it's been a while since he has taken an active role. It's true. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, Lila is chosen as the pledge, I don't know, chairwoman. Chairwoman. Oh my God, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) So they all start nominating these randomers. We don't have to really pay much attention to them. Because it's just like, oh, they're pretty. They're popular. They're in the country club. Um, And yeah, there's about four of them. And we've never heard of any of them before. No, like, yeah, just random names. Yeah. And it's, oh, who cares about any of them, to be honest? Mm. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't throw in, like, what about Andrea Slade or oh, yeah. April? They were their new best friends. Maybe they're too cool for a stupid sorority. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. But, you know, I'm surprised nobody suggested it. Well, uh, Jessica proposes Rose and everybody loves her. So, of course, she gets accepted onto the mm. perspective list. So, um, Jessica reminds everybody what the, how new members join they're given each each pledge is given three tasks after they perform their tasks they have the annual pie beta picnic this did not happen when um robin was trying to join yeah you're right or at least i don't remember it happening anyway well (laughs) apparently it's annual so i don't know god yeah um so yeah then they have this picnic where the pledges have to wait and serve the uh, existing members mm. and then they have a formal boat but it's, it is a formality and then they have a grand ceremony with the world officially allowed in yes so they're going to have interviews first before they give them their challenges there's so much fucking admin and all this what is wrong you know, with these kids this is the thing and i did wonder like why anyone even gives a shit about these fucking sororities or the fraternities but again mm. it's kind of established that the kids in this town they fucking love a bit of admin mm. they're always running for chairwoman of this and fucking chairman of that yes. fucking centenary committee <laughs> board stuff like they what a bunch adore. of freaks they just are so mad about a bit of bureaucracy it's the only way any of this makes sense is that they just love a bit of fucking paperwork and vote it's true yeah it's true well uh yeah they're having their interviews the next day and um Cara thinks the interviews are pointless because they all know all mm. these people um already and they're going to be given the challenges then uh, but Lila reminds her of the part of tradition and says snobbily they don't know anything about Rose's background <laughs> um and uh, Jessica rolls her eyes at this snobbish remark um but some of the others agree with her. These people are so terrible. This is the thing. Yeah, like a lot of the PBAs really fucking suck. Oh, uh, they do. They do. Because we kind of, you know, because Lila is is the kind of most obviously like snobby kind of and one. evil. But like, yeah. yes, true. But like, there's a lot of them that are fucking very complicit in this kind of behavior too. Yeah, totally. So we cut to Wednesday and Rose returns home after uh, cycling all around Sweet Valley, which, of course, is an excuse to, for her to rhapsodise over how gorgeous <laughs> and wonderful it is. It's, it's the most beautiful town on earth. Um, 
But who should she get a phone call from when she gets home? Well, it's Lila. So she's inviting her to uh, an informal get together at Fowler Crest for uh, a pool party of sorts. So uh, this is the uh, the interview stage, yeah. I guess. Um, so, yeah, she's like, you know, we're hoping to be able to offer you membership <gasps> in Pi Beta Alpha. Can you make it? So Rose is delighted to get the call um, and is super excited about it when she realizes that like this, this is going to happen. She's been pl- invited to pledge. So it's a dream come true. It is. She dances with joy when she mm. hangs up. But she knows that the other girls are going to want to know everything about her background. I mean, why? Mm. I do genuinely <laughs> do not remember anybody ever asking me, like, tell me all about your family and your family history at any oh time God. in my social life over the last 40 years. But <laughs> apparently, that's just to be expected in Pi Beta Alpha. Mm. And then she, she looks around at her house. She wonders whether it betrays her secret. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get quite a, a description of her house. So, and again, you know, it is Southern California. So it's like, yes. I don't imagine this is that fucking weird or outlandish for a house in this town. But yeah, the uh, the the kitchen has been decorated in earthy desert colours. The tiles over the sink and stove sported a geometrical Mexican pattern. I mean, all we ever hear about is the fucking Spanish tiled kitchen in the mm-hmm. Wakefield house. So like, surely this is perfectly, you know, regular for Sweet Valley. Mm-hmm. Um there is like baskets and dried herbs hanging from the ceiling beams, adding to the southwestern feel of the room. Uh, there's like brightly painted clay figures uh, that have been made by Native American artists that her parents had uh, collected all these sculptures when they were living in Texas. Um, but Rose kind of decides that, you know, the kind of southwestern style was in and it could just be passed off as trendy rather than, you know, their a background. Who these people are. Um, yeah, so she's kind of... Um, yeah, she she reckons that yeah, if 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 the Pipeaters know who I really am, if they know I'm Mexican, they won't want me in their club. Um, but then that decides, just says that they are terrible. That's well, like acknowledging go, like, that they are awful. Yeah, the fact that this isn't such a leap uh, for her to yeah. make, it's like it's all, and again, as far as we know, this is an all white sorority as well at this stage. Yeah, like, it is. I mean, it's know? practically an all white school. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not thing. even all white. It is all wasp. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so she kind of decides, look, I can I can be whoever I want to be. Isn't that what America is all about? Recreating yourself. Um, so she figures that, yeah, she's just going to stick to this because it was only several months ago she decided she was going to be called Rose rather than Rosa. Yes. Uh, because she kind of wants to shed her Mexican heritage altogether. Yes. So we're told uh, now this is their word. So we we'll, I know mm. that there are like different interpretations of this of this word. So Mexican listeners or, or Mexican American listeners uh, do let us know what uh, what the the current you know use of the word mm. is like. So we're told that Rose is a Chicana, an American citizen of Mexican descent. Um, like I don't know if that's how a lot of people like everybody would describe themselves, but. Mm. Um, yeah, we're told that her, we're told that her family are light skinned, like they actually say this explicitly. Yeah. And I mean, there were plenty of white Mexicans who were descended from Spanish settlers. Mm. Yeah. But I think Chicano, now let us know listeners, because it seems to be open to interpretation when you Google it, doesn't mean that like indigenous Mexican. Oh. So, mm. um, but anyway, they changed their name from Jimenez Jimenez? Yeah, to Jameson. Uh, to Jameson when they moved from Mexico to small town Texas. And Rose was only four at the time. She didn't understand why they changed their name, but we're told she later understood. I mean, she later understood because they moved to a country that, you know, clearly they will encounter racist views. Mm. Um, but anyway, Jameson Farm and Garden thrived. Yeah, they've been doing really well. Uh, and I guess... 
her parents have kind of made a point of sort of like integrating into mainstream American culture um, again with the name change and everything. So I guess in a way that's kind of then showing Rose that like this is how you Do succeed and, and how to and again, you know, you can't really judge them for their choices either because the they context. obviously were moving <laughs> to the country and it's not a fucking great one in terms of <laughs> racial issues. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like, oh, this is a bad example. But then like, who are we to fucking say that? <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we all are like, like our names are all anglicized versions of whatever they mm. were originally. Mm, true. Um, What's Kerry in Irish? Nikira. Oh, okay. Oh, So, yeah. uh, What's Moynihan? Nimwinachon. Ah, of course. Yeah, uh, super long in Irish. Took me so long to learn to spell my name in Irish. <laughs> I was like the last person in my class to learn how to spell Katrina Nimwinachon. It's like, holy shit. I'm so oh, small. Yeah, and you expect <laughs> I'm so tiny and I'm supposed to remember all these words. Come on. Give me a break, lads. <laughs> a lot of CHs there, I'd say. Oh, M-H-U-I-M-H-N-E-S-E-H-S. What I N. Try learning to spell that as a small child learning to write, let alone spell your name in Irish. (laughs) Oh, see, Nikira is easy. It's just C-H-I-A or A-D-H. So, Well, I'm happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough to Kerry as well. Um, But yes, most Irish people do have anglicised versions of of their... I guess their original mm. names back in the midst yeah. of time. That's colonialism, yeah. folks. That was kind of taken out of our hands somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, though the the Rose's family might have changed their name, they are still, you know, they're not they're not hiding anything. Like they are still, um, you know, proudly Mexican. Mm. And um, yeah, Rose learnt the hard way that uh, Mexicans and people are discriminated against. Yeah, this is the thing. I suppose when she was uh, in her old school, she realized that Mexicans were not the most popular kids uh, and a lot of the other kids didn't bother getting to know any of them. Um, So it's like, you know, it never seemed to occur to them all that uh, that all Mexicans didn't necessarily look or act or think alike um, and that they'd all have individual personalities. So apparently in the school, like the Mexican students were lumped together, Rose was lumped in with them and had been labeled an outsider, a foreigner. So obviously that's pretty tough going. Yeah. So that's why she decided that mm. moving to Sweet Valley would be basically a clean break. Mm. Clean slate, and, first start, all that. Yeah. And this says something about the context in which she's living because she thinks people would judge her on the basis of the kind of person she was, not on the basic uh, basis of her ethnic identity. Because, of course, in the Sweet Valley world, being a wasp is just neutral. as it's a like default. It's like a default. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really is a default in that place. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she she thinks her, her plan is working. And... Again, she's basically acknowledging that she does not have very high expectations of them and that they're clearly kind of shitheads because she thinks <laughs> as friendly as the Pybeaches were, Rose knew they were also very discriminating. Yeah. She was sure they would never let a Mexican girl into their sorority. She was sure they wouldn't like Rosa nearly as much as they liked Rose. <sighs> What does that say about them? I know. It's like, then why do you even want any part of this? <laughs> no. Oh, God damn it. Um, so Rose's parents come home and uh, with the Chinese takeaway and her father greets her as little Rosa, but she reminds him that her name is now Rose. Mm. And she tells him about the invitation to uh, join PBA. And then she asks her dad if he minds that she changed her name. Yeah, he says it doesn't. Um, he says, look, you know, Rosa, Rosa, you're my child all the same. And I think I understand why you want to be Rose for a while. Um, so she hasn't fully kind of come clean with her parents that like she's she's pretty much trying to just hide 
every bit of her Mexican heritage oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that she wants to be Rose forever. Um, so I guess, I don't know, it was, you know, again, he can understand it because they did the same thing, changing their last names to, to Jameson. Mm. Um, but yeah, because even they turn on, yeah, the, his, her mother puts on the radio uh, and kind of turns the dial so she finds a Spanish-speaking music station. But then the dad kind of jumps up and changes it to like a Wall Street station. So it's like, God, you really can't blame Rose that much for, <laughs> for all this kind of confusion and, uh, you know, being so unsure about how much of herself she should reveal to people. So, yeah, True. it's kind of a funny one. Though, uh, they, they, her parents are kind of joking about it. that her mother, like, well, also wants to hear the latest business news because they're yeah. both partners in their business. Mm. Um, and while they're bantering, Rosa goes to collect the post. And who could there have written to them? Oh, so there's a letter from her grandmother, Nana Jimenez, who still yes. uh, lives in Mexico. Apparently, she barely speaks a word of English, so the letter was written in Spanish. Um, but yeah, she kind of like just stuffs the letter away and uh, yeah. just decides that, um, yeah, she's like, Nana is Mexican and my parents are still Mexican in a lot of ways, but I don't have to be. And just kind of... Mm hides the letter under some magazines or something and just kind of doubles down on how she's rose now, basically. Exactly. Well, we cut to the Dairy Burger where Liz is hanging out with, uh, you know, the, some of the usual crowd mm. and some of the basketball team who have just won a game. And Winston calls the basketball team the Gladiators. I was like, are they not just the football team? Or is that like every single sports oh, team in the whole place? Yeah. No, somebody explained this to us before. <laughs> a helpful American listener. I can't oh, remember who it was true. now. But yeah, basically, like once that's the kind of team name with for the school, like that's the name of all the the mm. teams uh, or at least the boys teams, because they yes. did say that like that the like a girl's football team might be or, you know, soccer would be like the lady gladiators would often be how it would go. Um, so, yeah, any of the kind of sports teams would be the gladiators in Sweet Valley. Yeah. Well, um, they ban- the, the gang banter about, you know, the game and the cheerleaders and Cara jokes with Jessica that she needs her own cheerleader to pass maths at school. Mm. Yeah, she's not doing too well uh, mm. in Ms. Taylor's class. So apparently she's failed two math quizzes in a row, uh, but says that they're really unfair. And all she has to really do well in is like the main test uh, rather than these kind of like weekly quizzes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of setting the groundwork really for Jess not doing super great in maths at the moment. No. <laughs> and Liz gets, sort of says, look, well, you know, you could actually do some study for them. But Jessica <laughs> says she does study. She crams just before the yeah. big ones. And Liz was like, <laughs> OK. And then Rose arrives. And yet again, she's surrounded by boys. Oh, my God. It sounds kind of exhausting, to be honest. <laughs> it really does. Like, they, like, you just want to stop the, the entire school, male and female, just fussing over you for five yeah. minutes. It sounds like all the lads are like a fucking Tex Avery wolf cartoon or something. Just <laughs> following her around the corridors and into the dairy burger. It's like, lads, just leave her alone for a minute. <laughs> well, uh, Jessica thinks that Rose is just a boy magnet. And that's a very good trait for a future Pi Beta Alpha. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> so she asks Jessica asks will Elizabeth be coming to the interviews the next day and Elizabeth says she wouldn't abandon the poor pledges to Jessica and Lila <laughs> yeah uh, Jessica's kind of like she bristles at this and she's like oh Lila and I are perfectly fair and apparently they're going to make it the most fun rush ever mm. um, so she wants to do something really special for, for this year's pledges and to uh, hold a dance in addition to the regular induction ceremony oh <gasps> Yes, and Winston has an idea. He thinks that the Pi Epsilons should uh, should co-organise the dance because they're going to have new members too. Hooray, admin, admin, admin. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody interrupts and says, well, what new members? And who could it be? It's old one Bruce one, of course. 
It is. And <laughs> this is the first he's heard of it. Um, he's uh, he's just ha- dropping by uh, the Dairy Burger with a couple of his snooty tennis team friends, friends we're told. Mm. And Todd says that, uh, yeah, he and Winston want to breathe some new life into Pi Epsilon and invite some, um, some new frat members. But Bruce doesn't think there's any point in this. Yeah, he reckons that the frit- the fraternity is doing just fine as it mm. is. Um, and Todd's like, no, we need to make some changes. <gasps> um, so Bruce is like, oh, since when do you make decisions for the rest of us? Like, There's all this kind of antagonism yes, between uh, and Todd and uh, and Bruce kind of all the way through this. But um, yeah, Todd is just like, look, this, the frat's not fun anymore. Mm. Um, so Bruce is like, well, if you're not enjoying it, why don't you drop out? Uh, but then they both kind of are like, no, this is my fraternity. Oh, it's my fraternity too. Uh, so they decide eventually that they're going to hold a traditional rush for new members. Um, so Todd invites like Jim and Tom, who are like, I don't know, two pals of his. Oh, yeah. They just, they're in the team and they just happen to be there. Oh, they're basketball guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so then uh, Bruce is like, Grant, then I'm going to fucking nominate whatever. These two randomers. <laughs> Ron Paul. From the tennis team. So yeah, yeah. Grant. <laughs> And every time I saw Ron Paul, I thought of the conservative American the politicians. Same, yeah. <laughs> it was easy to remember their names. It actually was. Yes, Ron and Paul. So Ron Paul, Grant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bruce says, fine. Okay, well, we both got our pledges. He's going to organize a meeting to confirm this. And he struts off. Mm. And Winston, who has been sort of trying to keep the peace yeah. uh, quite charmingly, there's a few th- moments where Bruce is sort of uh, like... Um, you know, come on, now, now, gentlemen, Winston <laughs> said amiably. Um, but he's clearly not, he's, you know, he can't stop them fighting, but he is going to stay out of this pledge war because mm. he says, okay, he'll work, he'll plan the dance. He'll be the the uh, the admin guy from, yes. the, from the Pi Epsilon um, strand. Yes. And, and when Bruce leaves, Elizabeth is like, what the fuck are you doing, Dad? Yeah, she's all like disapproving and shaking her head at him. And Todd's like, oh, I feel strongly about this. It's my fraternity. She's like, oh, and Bruce is too. Um, I don't know why Liz cares this oh, much about any of it. Doesn't concern you. Who the fucking, like, oh my God, why does anyone care about any of these fucking things? <laughs> it's also, she keeps, she's do, she's almost doing the really, really annoying argument, which is sort of, because she's like, you know, you think you're so tolerant, but you can't yeah. tolerate Bruce. That's oh, she's kind both, of her she is, all the way through. Absolutely, both sidesing up a storm like yes. all the way through this book, and it's so annoying. <laughs> mm. Well, um, yeah, uh, Todd, Todd says that you know the, the the rest of the guys can't get rid of Bruce and the frat, but that doesn't mean we have to put up with his elitist influence forever. And all this drama makes Jessica thinks that the boys' wash will be more exciting than the girls. <laughs> well, we cut to Thursday. And when Rose arrives at Fowler Crest, she thinks it looks like something from a fairy tale. Then we get quite a sickening fantasy. Oh, God. Come on, Rose. Just, you're better than this. But yeah, um, she's amazed by the, the sight of, of Fowler Crest and how fancy it is and the fountain and the hedges and whatever. And uh, yeah, it's like something from a fairy tale. And in the back by the pool, there are a dozen fairy tale princesses, Rose thought. Like, bleh. <laughs> and they're going to make... Just a puke. <laughs> Again, we're very much on the same page. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she's like, and they're going to make me a fairy tale princess too. It's like, oh, dude, Ugh, come on. God, it's just a stupid fraternity that me- or fucking sorority that means absolutely nothing. You are too good for them, Rose. Mm. Well, um, she bumps into her fellow pledge, Lisa Walton, whoever the hell she is, emerging <laughs> after her own interview. 
Um, and she's like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Don't be nervous. So mm. Rose goes around to the pool of Fowler Crest where the PBAs were lounging next to uh, next to tables full of treats. And a nervous Rose looks around at, as she thinks, the girls who make things happen, the Sweet Valley High. And Enid. <laughs> <laughs> Was she Enid? Oh, how, how did she pass the blackballing? I can't remember. Like, there must have been some bit of drama or some mention of, like, Liz making sure that Enid got in or something because I don't know how else it would have happened. Didn't they play it? Wasn't the, wasn't that the very first book? Wasn't the very oh. first book them getting elected into PBA? God, maybe. I, I can't remember. Was. That was like 80 books ago. <laughs> oh, so that means how many, seriously, how many different pledge seasons have they had? Yeah. This never ending year. I mean, I guess it is about 80 books at this stage. But um, mm. uh, yeah, uh, she banters with the other girls again. But then Lila is displeased and not by Rose. Oh God, yeah, this is the start of Lila's mm. fucking bitchery. So she oh, awful. She makes a face when she's like eating a grape because there's seeds in it. So she starts giving out yards then to Lucinda, who is, um, how do they, I'm like, pick the right word. It's like, is she the housekeeper or is she's, she? What did, didn't we learn in another book that she has a crusty old wasp housekeeper oh, who's right. like her second mother? That's right, like, she's, yeah. She's a maid, so maybe okay. she's she's a she's like a, a lower servant in the hierarchy of a giant staff that keeps Fowler Crest running <laughs> upstairs, downstairs of Fowler Crest. <laughs> uh, yeah, so poor Lucinda gets an earful uh, from Lila because she wanted seedless grapes, so she's like, "Get rid of these and bring us some edible fruit, and we need more drinks." And she's just really rude. No, oh, she's um, awful. And like Kara actually says to her, "Like you shouldn't be so yeah. bossy." And Lila's like, "Oh, she's the maid. I'm the employer. She's here to serve me." Um, and like a lot of the PBAs do kind of say like you don't have to be so rude and so patronizing well but, like, Sandy Lila's, does Sandy does yeah, yeah. but um, yeah Lila's just not having it she's like I wasn't you have to talk that way to her she's Mexican and her English isn't very good <sighs> so like everyone's got such kind of shrugs um, yeah. and it sounds really awkward and of course Rose is sitting there feeling super awkward and kind of just like trying to hide her discomfort but um, and they all kind of make a bit of a joke then when some new fruit comes out and they're like oh no seeds I trust and it's like mm, none at all but it's like you're really just everyone gives Lila a pass on yes. some very overt racism, which is yes. not cool. They do throughout this book, right to the yeah. very end. Yeah, <sighs> it's depressing. Hmm. So Lucinda re- returns with more snacks, and the interviews begin. And um, Rose, why did you do this, Rose? <laughs> she's claimed to be from Boston, yeah. which seems ridiculous because she's never been there. Oh, I know, uh, but also like. Would you not have even a bit of an accent if you're from Boston? Or like, mm. are we just pretending that accents aren't a thing that like you now, could be from Texas or Boston and nobody would know? Is that The thing is, I did my J1 in Boston and also went out with somebody when I was there from Texas. And I think oh. middle class, middle class Americans or upper middle class Americans, I guess. Okay. Ha- can have a very generic accent. Oh, kind of neutral. Yeah. So like, there, you know, I did hear there was somebody who lived around the corner from my boyfriend's house who used to say to his dogs every morning, no barking, no barking. (laughs) That's what you want to hear in Boston. (laughs) I did want to hear it. Just used to call the dogs, the no barkings. (laughs) 
<laughs> but like my then boyfriend uh did said i mean he was from quite a poshish background and he had gone to yale but he said he had a sort of generic american accent okay. like yeah. i couldn't tell where he's from and he was okay. from houston right so i don't know americans hey. tell us I, hmm. I wouldn't be surprised that somebody didn't have a full-on yeah, I you guess know, not a full on one. But even, <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's probably not fair to compare it to Ireland. Where even like someone you know middle class or a bit posh, you'd you'd still know if they were from Cork or from, oh, you, like, would, yeah. like, you know, yes, <laughs> they'd be, you would hundred percent ways. But maybe that's not the case in the states. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean that's the always the impression I've got when there that obviously there are really strong regional accents, but mm. there's a lot of people who do just have kind of new that at least outsiders aren't really super mm. obvious yeah. and definitely not everybody in boston because like I, when i you know when i worked in shops and stuff in, and cafes mm. in boston most people were from boston yeah and um you couldn't really tell okay and it's not it's not obvious then yeah. no and uh definitely did meet the people with the full-on boston accents <laughs> but it wasn't i wouldn't that wouldn't be a giveaway okay. to me for having spent three months there but Fair. Okay. um oh my god i just realized i was there in 97 which is not even that long after this book is set <laughs> don't think about it too much <laughs> well enid uh at the meeting waxes lyrical about boston's history and it's like oh you could go up to concord and stuff which i actually did very interesting <laughs> listeners if you've been in new england <laughs> There you go. You needed to have a great time spinning around Boston at all the historical sites. Um, and uh, yes, under the, the greater, Massachusetts, greater <laughs> Massachusetts. But Lila's not interested in American history. She's interested in Rose's history. And of course, she's a fucking wasp detector because she literally says, tell us about your family, Rose. Jameson, is that an English name? Oh, God. Okay, it's such a weird question for a 16-year-old to ask another 16-year-old. But what? it's Lila Fowler, so I don't know what we expected. Um, but yeah, this is the question that Rose had been dreading. And I don't know why she didn't come prepared if she's like, you know, she does seem oh like she's God. kind of winging it here. And it's just like, oh, Rose, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's um, insane. Because not only that, she goes, yes, it's English and says, my ancestors came to America on the Mayflower. Well, some of them oh, did. God. The rest came over with John Winthrop on the Arbella to settle the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The Jamesons have lived in Boston ever since. So she's really kind of making herself out to be this fucking lineage fucking traced all <laughs> the way back. Um, and she's kind of amazed how easily the lies are coming. Um but like, and it's even, you know, leaving it at that would be something, but she just keeps fucking going with it and says oh, that her, she does. She says, last year, my parents and I took a trip to England to trace our roots. We visited the ancestral manor house, met all sorts of fascinating people. You wouldn't believe the parties the British throw, but then like really fucking goes to town on it. Says she went to Ascot, had to wear this awful hat, but it was worth it. Just to share a box with Princess Diana and Fergie. <laughs> Rose, what are you doing? <laughs> but, yeah, she says, I didn't see a minute of the races. They had me laughing. And oh Jessica interrupts her. Um, by the way, no, how the fuck did they buy this bullshit? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> but instead, Jessica's like, you meant British royalty. <sighs> and Rose lifted her shoulders in a, it's no big deal gesture and says, as it turns out, I'm distantly related to Queen Elizabeth myself. She laughed. I'm about 500th in line for the succession. (laughs) Are you on glue? I (laughs) do. What is happening? 
what is she doing? My God. Um, yeah, well, Lila is suitably impressed anyway. And uh, asks about all been slaps, by the way. That they're oh, just like, like oh, that's so amazing. Oh, your ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Wow. Like, who cares? The fact that they are impressed is kind of nearly worse. It is. <laughs> but um, yeah, then Lila goes on about the parents' company and Rose is like, oh, it's been in the family for generations. Um all just bullshit bullshit <laughs> one bit after the other i don't know why she's digging herself so far down into this hole but um yes because yes. kara says i bet your family supplied <laughs> the tools that cleared the land of colonial new england fucking hell these girls yeah. are so weird they really are yeah but look she's establishing a backstory it's fucking wild but they're all buying it so you know <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's God. what happens <laughs> we just have to run with it now <laughs> Uh, and uh, yes by the way we're also told that obviously this is a lie but really Mr. Jameson first designed the tools of the company uh, to improve farming techniques in his native rural town in Mexico Hmm. and of course Liz has to be sympathetic because that's her trademark and uh, she says that it must have been difficult to leave Rose leaving her friends in Boston and Rose says it was especially as she was meant to be making her formal debut this season Jesus yeah Uh, oh god but yeah so (laughs) Rose is (laughs) kind of delighted to see that they're all just fucking eating this up um and how well she's <laughs> she's just planting all these fucking lies they all like sink back in their shades along with a collective sigh of satisfaction like good god they're literally getting like? high on snobbishness it's crazy yeah by the way rose also thinks she's pl- really she thinks this has gone amazingly she th- says thinks she hadn't bragged she had managed to sound as if her aristocratic pedigree where was natural a part of her was having two eyes no she didn't not a thing about this was natural but <laughs> apparently she she's oh look apparently she has sold it sufficiently anyway that uh that they're all bought in now to the to the rose fantasy <laughs> yes well she went for straight from zero to princess die and mm. that was that worked wow but she she does realize that now she has absolutely crossed a line uh yeah. with this, the extent of these explicit lies true <laughs> yes <sighs> So they're all obviously delighted with her and that's the last interview. So they're all heading out. And then as they leave Fowler Crest, Manuel comes up to collect Sandy. And as they drive off, Lila just disgusts us. Oh, truly. Like, yeah, this is really Queen Lila comes fucking crashing down here. Oh, Um, she does. She, like, Lila kind of waves at Sandy as she's getting into the car. And then when they've taken off, she's like, I don't know how she can date him. He's so ethnic and working class. Oh, Lila. Sickening behaviour. Really, really bad. Um, Amy is like, oh, please, you're just jealous. You wish you were lucky enough to go out with someone hot like Manuel. Um, And Lila's like, hmm. But, like, you know, nobody pulls her up on it. No. Apart from that, like, no one says that's not cool, Lila. Yeah. So obviously Rose feels awkward now and is like, okay, well, I definitely can't turn back now. I really have to commit to this. So she's like, yeah, her entire future in Sweet Valley was at stake, apparently. So the (sighs) Pybetas must never find out the truth about her. And this just confirms her fears that Mm. they're a fucking racist sorority. And this is the sad thing that instead of thinking, you know, okay, well, I don't want to have anything to do with these assholes. She's like, okay, they can never find out about me. So it's it's actually pretty sad. Yeah. We cut to the following Monday and the Pi Beaters and their pledges have gathered at uh, lunchtime during the Sweet Valley, uh, 
in the Sweet Valley cafeteria. And they explain what the whole WUSH programme is going to be. And the dance is going to be made of the Sweet Valley Literacy Centre, which I can only presume is part of the ever-expanding community centre that does <laughs> all sorts. In it. Project Youth, now the Literacy Centre. <laughs> there is so much going on here. <laughs> um, so they gave the first challenge to, to uh, two girls called Lynn and Stacey and they've got a challenge, Karen, that I'm sure you'd like to carry out. <laughs> um, yes, apparently their first task is to raid the boys' locker room. Um, so they're given like a shopping list of things to grab from, from the locker room, uh, including Todd's deodorant. Um, and this is like, I know what brand he uses, so you can't fake it or grab somebody else's. Uh, that's the first thing. They, <laughs> then they kind of read out the list. So it's like, Ken Matthews, locker number 41, photo of Terry Adams. Because apparently there's a rumour that that, uh, that Sweet Valley High's gorgeous football captain <laughs> keeps a picture of, of his girlfriend taped inside his locker, but so the other boys wouldn't tease him about it. Oh. He kept a towel hanging over it. <laughs> oh, my himbo prince. He's so fucking cute. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well. As if that that's might be adorable, but the final trophy is something literally unspeakable. Oh God, yeah. They just they read out the third and final item. Aaron Dallas, locker number nineteen. It's like Stacy stops and her cheeks turn pink, and she's like, "We can't take that." Jessica <laughs> Green, oh yes, you can. Uh, and they then just don't tell us what it is, so it's it's left to our imaginations. Mm. I guess I'm guessing a, a jockstrap. It must be something like that. It's like why why would you even want to touch that? <laughs> Good God! Oh. <laughs> um, they don't even have hand sanitizer to hand at all times, yeah. like we do. <laughs> grim so yeah not only did the girls have to get all these trophies they have to do so by the end of lunch and it's already the start of lunch mm. and aline and aureline um a-l-i-n-e mm. um have to and, and lisa they, they are have to hand deliver a toupee to chrome dome oh god yeah one of them has to hand it to him and the other has to take a picture to capture his reaction um so the whole thing will be caught on film yes. so these are the the tasks that the four pledges have been given so they have to head off and get it all done now within the lunch hour mm. but, uh, uh, yeah rose is still waiting for her tasks because these two have been sent off yeah, they've been sent off in twos so far so then there's just rose kind of waiting for what hers is going to be and she's like oh jesus what are they going to have in store for me and what she has to do is really mean it is mean and they're kind of passing it off as like oh this is a really easy one because they're just kind of giving her an easy ride into pba but uh but yeah it's really cruel and there's no kind of you know, yeah. reference to this just being a mean thing to do. So she has to write a love letter to Elliot Marsh, who is apparently a guy in her chemistry class. Uh, and Jessica's like, he's the drippiest boy the Pi Betas could think of. Yeah. Um, which is just, again, it's just mean. And Rose is like, oh, yeah. Well, she thought he was kind of nice. There was no doubt about it, though. He was a classic nerd. So it's yeah. like, oh, so why are you doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. So she's to write him this letter and just leave it in his locker because at first she thinks, oh, do I have to like oh. read it aloud at an assembly or like have it printed in the Oracle? Um, and Lila's like, no, you just write it and stick it in his locker. You don't even have to sign it. So hmm. she realizes then that like all this kind of task stuff for her is kind of a formality and they're just going to make it easy for her to get in. Yes. And it is... Uh... It's it, she starts writing it and it's very florid and mm. very mean. It is. And Rosa, yeah. I thought you were better than this. But... I know, yeah. And again, there's no kind of like, oh, you know, Rose thought it was a bit mean. It's like, nope, this is just what you do when someone's a bit nerdy, I guess. Yeah. And she's happy to go along. Mm. So we uh, cut to Monday evening and Jessica is baffled by Max. 
Yeah, well, you know, I'm with her there. <laughs> Hello. Uh, can't really her too much. <laughs> when she's meant to be studying for her test, but she keeps thinking how hilarious it was when the pledges carried out all their tasks. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a little flashback, just kind of telling us that the girls all did manage yeah. to pull off these um, kind of pranks that they had to do and how yes. funny it was. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, the, the girls like sprinting out of the locker room, being chased by a dozen guys with towels wrapped around their waist. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, they got their trophies and the girl, the other girls got their like Polaroid of Chrome Dome getting his toupee and all the rest. Mm. So yeah, that's just kind of recapping that, that everything went well so far anyway yeah. for them. We're also reminded Jessica refused to have a clock in her room because of course she wasn't concerned with being on time. In her opinion, nothing really started until she arrived. I mean, she didn't wear a watch, but I'm like, did she just ignore all clocks? I guess, yeah, the Hershey bar is like a casino. It's just, is it night? Is it day? Who even knows? How long have I been here? Oh God, where am I? Are those socks? <laughs> Probably doesn't even have any windows. No. Um, well, uh, she asks Liz what time it is. And when Liz tells her it's 7.15, Jessica thinks mm, she knows she needs to study, but she's also meant to be meeting Sam at the Dairy Burger at eight, and of mm. course she can't let him down. So basically, she heads off, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another. We start to get ready, and that's another night studying lost. Indeed. Mm. So the next day, Elizabeth waves a copy of Wuthering Heights at Enid. <laughs> yes, apparently it's a book you have to read outdoors. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, it's like lying on the green California grass and pretending it's an English moor. Apparently, Ina agrees. So they're having a picnic for their lunch. Uh, I guess they're both reading Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, it's basically just an excuse for them to go outside and see Todd sitting on a bench. And for looking, Liz to say, there's my across. Heathcliff. Uh, well, he's as angry and <laughs> fucking violent potentially <laughs> as him. So I guess. <laughs> I can imagine Todd hanging a dog off a tree, unfortunately. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's what I always say when I ever think, see anybody like thinking that Heathcliff is a romantic, romantic. hero. Oof. He hangs a dog. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things that get glossed over somewhat. <laughs> well, uh, he's he's not, thank goodness, uh, indulging in any canine murder today. He's waiting for his fraternity bros. And Edith and Liz settle down on the grass and they, but they just can't help watching the confrontation as Bruce approaches Todd. <laughs> it sounds very fucking Jets versus Sharks, doesn't it? Because it's like two groups approach from either side. Like they're coming from, like a Ken Matthews, Charlie Marcus and Winston are coming from one direction. And then Bruce, Gordon Stoddard, Ronnie Edwards and John Pfeiffer are coming from the other. And it's like, well, these guys fucking suck. Just picture them fucking dancing, fighting their way up to each other. Oh, I wish. <laughs> so um yeah Todd and Bruce decide that each of them will suggest the challenges for the mm. other's pledges so Bruce yes. is his two and Todd is his two yeah. and Winston is like Winston is suspicious of this he doesn't think this is a good idea but he's like okay well fine if this is what you want to do Ken is gormless as ever oh, he's just happy to be there he's like sure fine with me <laughs> and um, Todd is like oh I suppose you've already come up with pledges for for my candidates and Bruce says well yes as a matter of fact I have and what a challenge it is yeah so apparently the famous Romanesque clock on the front wall of the school uh, he's like well he proposes that for the first task that Tom and Jim so these are Todd's pledges have to get up there and move the clock's hands ahead one hour without using a ladder (gasps) Um, so like Ronnie's delighted with this. Oh and yeah, Enid's like, oh, he would think so. And we get a little recap of Ronnie being a fucking dick, <laughs> <laughs> and Enid breaking up with him. But um, 
yeah, Charlie's like, oh, I don't know, it sounds kind of dangerous. Bruce is like, oh, it doesn't have to be. If they're smart, mm. they'll be able to pull it off. Um, so Liz is then just kind of watching Todd to see how he's going to respond. And so Todd's one then for the other two guys, for Bruce's buddies, uh, is that, so yeah, the school bus drivers start to line up in front of the school during last period. So he says that he knows that both Ron and Paul, or Ron Paul as they're now known, um, they have their last period free. So he's like, their task is to borrow a bus, take it downtown to Guido's and come back with a dozen pizzas within mm-hmm. half an hour. Uh, he's going to stop watching everything because he's going to be timing them. Of course he does. Um, so Bruce is like the guys get into serious trouble and Todd points out well Jim and Tom could get into trouble and they could fall off a roof so Mm. they all agree okay fine we'll do the tasks or they'll do the tasks and um, Elizabeth joins Todd and does the whole both sides like you accuse Bruce of being an elitist but it says to me like you're taking the exact stand he wants to include people like you and you want to exclude people like him it's like (sighs) the old oh if you're so tolerant why don't you tolerate my extreme awfulness <laughs> why won't you tolerate their tolerate their intolerance that's not very tolerant of you is it shut up Liz <laughs> well Todd and Liz head to class and things are a little bit frosty between mm. them a little bit yeah yeah so after school everyone gathers outside to witness the the pledges um, do their challenges and a grumpy Todd tells Liz that Ron and Paul persuaded one of the bus drivers to take them to Guido's <laughs> but they've been gone for ages so uh, he doesn't think they're going to make it in time and then Jim and Tom appear and uh, they put on quite a show <laughs> They do. They kind of like they confer for a few seconds in front of the school, like putting their heads together all very theatrically, mm. stare up at the clock for a while, <laughs> shake their heads and disappear into the building. And he's like, oh, no, they can't do it. So people kind of start to lose interest and go back inside. But then Liz is like, oh, something about their pantomime at Strucker is odd. So Liz is like, no, no, no way. Something's going to happen. So uh, Tom and Jim then apparently they, they reappear on the roof of the school building. And again, this doesn't quite dangerous because Tom is laying on his stomach while he yes. holds Jim by the legs. Uh, to turn the hands on the clock but it kind of says yeah the clock which seemed impossibly high from the ground was situated only a few feet beneath the roof line so maybe okay maybe he's not actually dangling by the ankles to to change this clock but still like they are on the roof Um, and Tom uses a coat hanger to change the hands but at the same moment that he manages to to complete his task the school bus roars up to the entrance and Ron and Paul hop out with um, a big pile of pizzas so they actually make it within the, the half hour time limit that Todd had given them so everybody has managed to do their first pledge so everyone's well pretty much everyone's delighted except for Bruce and Todd (laughs) (laughs) well also I am quite uh, quite charmed that Ron and Paul give the give a pizza to the bus driver as payment that's true actually that was quite sweet quite charming it is and and in fairness everyone is delighted um you know by this but Yeah. yeah apart from Bruce and Todd and mm. Liz knows that they must be each of them must be planning something even tougher for the next yes. challenge so things are just going to escalate so we cut to Thursday and Lila tells her sorority sisters it's time to vacate the cafeteria by the glass doors which apparently lead to the lawn since when mm, I don't know that didn't sound unusual to me I feel like that must be something they've been threading in before have they I yeah I guess I'm just thinking recently we had all those scenes where who were the who, the girls who were like tricking Scott Trost were like emerging from the two oh, there ends. Was loads, well, there was loads of doors. Maybe some of them were glass doors. <laughs> <laughs> but also we had Michael reefing April out of the cafeteria and yelling at her where everyone could kind of see and hear. So that would suggest maybe that's <gasps> oh, through the glass there. that is true. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I take it back. <laughs> and uh, the reason that, they, that they're all leaving by the glass doors... It's because the pledges make a dramatic entrance. 
Yeah, so the the five pledges are disguised with phony eyeglasses and weird hairstyles. Mm. Uh, Each of them are armed with cans of whipped cream and have taken position around the cafeteria because their challenge is to start a food fight. Mm. And... I fucking hate food fights. Oh, so it <laughs> me out. Disgusting. They're so gross. Like anytime I see one on telly, I'm just like, absolutely not. I hate this. Yes. And even like it describes it all with like, because obviously it all kicks off because they just start spraying fucking cream on people. Um, and, you know, everyone's shrieking, laughing and fighting back with cookies, fruit, sandwich crust. It's like, oh, you're just Ugh. throwing rubbish at each other. I hate this. Oh, but everyone. Well, in your hair, like gross. (laughs) Get away from me! But everyone thinks it's hilarious, Um, and the 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 rest of the PBAs are all safely watching from the uh, the lawn, so they're they're well out of all the mess. Uh, Yes, so they're delighted with the whole thing. Uh, Apart from Jessica, because even though it was her idea, she was like, "Oh, this is stupid." (laughs) But the reason that she's in a bad mood is because Sam stood her up at the Dairy Burger. No, yeah. So Jess had sat around for an hour and a half uh, on a school night, and he never showed up. But he did call uh, that night to explain. Apparently, mm. he had to take his motorbike to the shop and it had taken longer than he expected uh, to get the repairs made. So by the time he got there, she was gone. Um, so like she's accepted his apology, but she's still hurt um, because I suppose, you know, she needs to be his number one priority. Of course. Uh, and feels like, oh, the honeymoon is over. Not that she's dramatic or anything. Mm. Um, <laughs> she's like, oh, have her and Sam already turned into a boring old couple like Todd and Liz? Were they taking each other for granted? So she is just kind of sulking about this even though like he he did it does sound like make a very groveling apology as it soon does as he could. in fairness to yeah. him yeah like sam um, is a good guy so yeah this but mm-hmm. like jessica's just not impressed at how things are going this early no and to make her mood even worse she has the big math test tomorrow so she's mm-hmm. gonna have to study all night if she wants to pass and ned yeah. and alice know about the test because of course liz mentioned to them um <laughs> so they'll be breathing down her neck so things are not going well for jessica mm-hmm. yeah the pledges joined them and they've emerged unscathed, or almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Lisa says, well, oh, speak for yourself, Lisa grimaced, as she examined a blob of mustard on her silk blouse. Oh, you do a fucking food fight. You I, what are you doing? Come on. Why? There are other materials. <laughs> Um, so yes despite the food the uh, the, uh, silk blouse damage the good time is had by all and Mm. the pie beat alphas are full of praise and they're all giddy but then they notice the pie epsilons who aren't acting much like a fraternity at all they look more like two fraternities and rival ones at that again I'm just imagining the dance fighting um So, uh, yeah, we apparently Todd and Bruce are standing face to face. Kiss, kiss, kiss. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so the guys are, oh yeah, they've got new tasks ready to go. Um, So they're just doing this big dramatic face off for it. So Todd reveals that Ron and Paul's new task uh, that they have to complete, they have until the end of the school day and they're not allowed to cut class. So they have to check 100 books out of the school library. uh, And every book they check out has to have the word challenge or pressure in the title. That is... That's so hard. Ridiculously hard. hundred... Like, does that library... Does that library have, first of all, a hundred books? Because this curriculum is off the fucking wall. Oh, I'd be crazy, it, yes. First of all. Like, whether they even have a hundred books to begin with, let alone books with challenge or pressure in the titles. Like, how big is their library? Also, would you be allowed to check out a hundred books? Not my school library. You well, wouldn't. this is 
This is the thing, yeah, because Rose is watching all this unfold and is like, the librarians would never let them check out a hundred books in one day. Uh, she's like, they'll have to scan the stacks for weeks before they located uh, the books with the right titles. So it obviously is a, a seemingly insurmountable task. So uh, Bruce then gets to reveal his task for Jim and Tom, the the basketball guys. <sighs> Yes, and it's even more difficult. They have to move the entire contents of the career guidance office or teacher, Mrs. Green's office, onto the lawn outside the school building before the end of the school day and without cutting class. Um, Both of these things just sound utterly impossible. (laughs) They actually do. And I mean, spoiler alert, they achieve them, but I still don't know how. Same. And, <laughs> and Liz isn't impressed by these ridiculously difficult challenges and thinks that these aren't and you know whatever about her being both sides about Bruce but she is right on this like this isn't the spirit of this is just Todd versus Bruce and That's a, yeah, they're apparently, ruining it for everybody this isn't fun it's not the proper spirit of the fraternity <laughs> yes and Lila reminds Rose that the Pi Beta, Pi Beta Alphas do things properly and uh, the pledges have just one more task and mm. their final one and that's uh, um, then, they, then they'll just have the picnic and it's basically just a formality the whole thing Yeah. and Rose can't wait just one mm. more task to be a Pi Beta Alpha told she would be American. More American than she had ever <laughs> dreamed possible. Wow, she's going to go hard on being American. <laughs> Apparently. I guess. Well, we cut to the Castle Del Wakefield where Jessica is trying in vain to study and it's quite amusing when there's a knock on the door and come in, she called in her most pathetic voice. <laughs> She's just wasting away at her desk, <laughs> tapping pencils to procrastinate before she actually has to do anything. Um, but yeah, Liz has come in with some freshly baked cookies. So Aww. she thinks uh, apparently her and Alice thought that uh, Jess might appreciate some brain food. Um, so Jess is like, oh, I'm going to need the sugar if I have to pull an all nighter because she's extremely far behind with everything. Oh, um, of course. But, uh, and Liz is like, you know, maybe you actually should start studying. So if you're really that uh, in that much bother with it. But of course, the phone rings. So Jess is only delighted to jump up and run away from her desk to answer it. <laughs> Um, so uh, of course it's Sam and he apologises now this is not totally I guess he doesn't know quite how important her test is but he's like I have to see you I want to make it up with you for the other night I love you Jessica come out with me tonight and uh, his passionate words send a thrill up Jessica's spine oh yeah, so she decides it's ridiculous to allow a stupid math test uh, to come between them. Uh-oh. So, um, yeah, so she decides uh, that, uh, well, there is the problem of the fact that her parents would never let her go out on a date mm-hmm. tonight. Um, but she's just like, you know, taking inspiration from uh, from Bruce and Todd and says, well, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And just kind of says to him on the phone, uh, yeah, pick me up in 20 minutes at the end of the drive. Uh, so Liz, of course, hears this, this and she's like, what are you doing? You absolutely cannot do this. Uh, but Jessica's like, yes, I can. And you're going to help me. So, of course, Liz, the doormat. Uh, <laughs> is just guilted into uh, covering for <laughs> Jessica to tell the parents that uh, that she's to be left undisturbed because she has to um, to study so hard while oh. Jess is going to sneak out through the unlocked back door. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, Liz reluctantly agrees. Yes. 
So on Monday, Rose has just arrived home from school when the doorbell rings and she can see Jessica, Lila and Amy through the glass. What a terrifying prospect. Can you imagine, oh my God, peering through the panes? She's like, oh fuck, <laughs> they've seen me, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've surprised her uh, with a visit. Uh, apparently they were just in the neighbourhood uh, and Jessica's like, well, not really, but we were on our way home uh, from cheerleading practice. So they decided to stop by and say hello. Um so and Lila's like what's the dude there she's not a cheerleader oh yeah well they do say Lila had a French review session oh sorry okay so I guess they were all at the school yes Um, so they decided to stop by uh, and surprise her so Rose is a bit like oh shit she's kind of caught in the hop here uh, and says oh you know sorry things are are so messy so I I haven't had you over before now Um, and kind of kind of pulls them out they kind of start going towards the living room (laughs) and she kind of yanks them (laughs) in towards the kitchen instead and she's like oh how about a snack and like it's, it's oh it's mad she kind of opens the fridge and like shoves jars of homemade salsa out of the way because like no one eats salsa in southern california i, I guess. guess they literally just eat mayonnaise sandwiches that's all i could <laughs> sure Cheers. white just white bread for us please thank you <laughs> um yeah but um again and it's funny because earlier on in the book there was a bit with rose saying how she doesn't want anyone picking her up at her house and i was mm. like oh why is her house like you know not that impressive or something but like there's a fucking oh. tennis there's a tennis court at the back of this house so it's plenty impressive it's obviously just the decor that she was stressed about yes because <laughs> well, uh, even lila is impressed by uh by the tennis court in the house or yes the back of the house. she's all like why didn't you tell us there was a tennis court mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah, they all go start going on about tennis, and Amy's like, "My boyfriend Barry Rourke is on the <laughs> tennis team. Oh, we we could all play together." And um, but Rosa like loves how enthusiastic they are about hanging out with her, but she yeah. thinks like, "Oh, even you know, does she want anybody over at the house?" And she does say that if her parents were there, um, they don't sound Mexican. I- They've only been there for 10 years. It is very unusual for people to not have any trace of an accent when they've lived in a country for 10 years, especially if it's another language. And my sister's lived in London for 20 and she still sounds extremely harsh. True. Although I suppose unless they were like, you know, actually on purpose trying to like lose their accent or something. I don't know. Yeah, but it seems very unlikely if it's a second language that you'd totally be like, I sound like I've been speaking this for the moment Mm. I was born. Yeah, it's not. But even like Rose is kind of running around trying to find like the most American snacks that she can. Like she's (laughs) pulling fucking peanut M&Ms. Like we've never had an actual food name check, I don't think, before. So she's um, just, yeah, reefing out whatever she can that that has nothing to do with with Mexican cuisine and uh, using crystal bowls and all the rest. So she's uh, doing her best to impress anyway. And when she goes in to get a bowl, she hides the pics of her nana. Aww. She like literally takes the photos, frame photos and like shoves them in a drawer. And then she invites the girls to hang out in the sitting room. Now she's denanned it. And um, they're like, oh, we thought your house would be all like, you know, New England style. But uh, I was like, oh, we wanted to change. And then Amy turns the stereo on and Spanish music blares out. And Rose says, sorry about that. It was probably... Probably the cleaning lady. Oof. And Lila commiserates, we're told. That is the word used. Oh, God. So grim. Mm. So uh, Jessica wants to see photos of Rose's old Boston life. They're so fucking nosy. So nosy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Amy's like, yeah, and pictures of you and Princess Di. And I was like, yeah, pictures of your debutante friends. It's like, 
who has ever gone to like a new friend's house and demanded photo <laughs> albums and fucking <laughs> family tree pictures? Like, just chill out, will you? <laughs> well, Rose has a fairly convincing excuse, which is like they've just moved in, they haven't unpacked everything, hmm. so uh, that seems to you know stop them in their nosy tracks. And yeah. they hang out. Jessica reveals she did fail her maths test, but it was worth it. And Amy asks what she'll do when Ms. Taylor writes to her parents. Ms. Taylor is the maths teacher, of course. Jessica's like. Eh. You know, whatever. I'll cross that problem when I go that bridge when I come to it. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so uh, before the girls leave, they tell Rose that the you know about the picnic where the pledges will have to wait on the mm. hand and foot of the sorority girls, and Lila suggests that Rose be sort of the pledge manager again with the admin. They love it. They fucking love it. Oh my god! Yes, more red tape. Um, yeah, so she puts Rose in charge of the other pledges to help or, or to, to get this picnic organised. Um, but yeah, this is kind of as they're leaving. And uh, yeah, they're all suitably impressed by Rose and Lila wants to come back. She's like, yeah, we should uh, play tennis here on Wednesday. Um, and Rose is like, yeah, cool. And then Jess is like, oh, we should also get together this weekend and have like a slumber party at one of our houses. So they're all on for like the social engagements anyway as they're heading yes. out. So Rose is pretty happy that, um, you know, that, the, that they're so friendly and they obviously want to hang out with her loads. So it's going pretty well, I guess, uh, mm. as far as she's concerned. Yes. In fact, after they leave, she thinks that she's never been happier in her entire life. Which is kind of a grim reflection of oh. her life. <laughs> dear, oh dear. So um, later she rings the other pledges and invites them to come round to her house the next day to organise the picnic. And after she hangs up, she goes into the kitchen where her mother's making a stir fry and jokingly asks what would Nana say if, he saw, if she saw her making an unfamiliar uh, Thai dish and uh, sort of joking about Nana and her conservative cooking ways uh, is the is the trigger for Mr. and Mrs. Jameson to give Rose a bit of surprising news. Yeah, so Nana's coming to visit and she arrives tomorrow and yeah. is going to stay for almost two weeks apparently and they're like, oh my god, isn't it wonderful? Because uh, Rose, like we find out, hasn't seen her grandmother in like three years. Um, I have a lot of questions about Mr. and Mrs. Jameson. Right? <laughs> they're rich enough to afford a house with a fucking tennis, tennis court. court. They can't hop over to Mexico or like fly Nana in like oh. after a fucking three years of not seeing her granddaughter. It's a bit weird. Because she was in Texas. This is it. I don't I don't get it either. It's pretty terrible. It really is. Also, it's even more terrible given what we learn about Nana's role in their fortunes later mm, on. Yes. Um, so yeah, apparently uh, Mr. Jameson has popped into his widowed mother a few times on business trips. Jesus. That's about it. Fucking hell. Yeah, Three not great. Years. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, they um, they called Nana a few days ago and apparently it's 10 years um, since Papa Jimenez died. So uh, Rose's granddad. So they reckoned that she'd be feeling sad about his anniversary and they thought what would be better for Nana than a visit to California to see her family. And it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> It's been three fucking years, lads. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, he's like, oh, this would be great. You know, you have so much catching up to do. Um, he says, you know, I know you're busy with school stuff and activities with your new friends, but I hope you can spend time uh, or some of your afternoons at least uh, yeah. with Nana. So she's like, oh, yes, of course. But um, but Rose, yeah, I suppose they expect her to be delighted at this news. But the first thing she's thinking is, oh, no, how am I going <gasps> to like hide Nana? And they'll realize that I'm not some fucking blue blood Mayflower mm. bitch. So... <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a, a bit of a spanner in the works for her plans for the next week or two anyway. Yes. So she realizes she has to cancel all the, you know, the meetings mm. with her, with her fellow pledges that she was meant to be having with her, um, uh, with, I guess with her, ge- her general social life, she was meant to be doing yeah. a lot of stuff at her house. Well, yeah, anything she's hosting is, is out the window at this stage. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically Nana has ruined her life for the foreseeable future. <laughs> So the next day, Rose drives home slowly from school and she tells herself she's looking forward to seeing Nana for the first time in three years. She missed herself that it's all a lie. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, she's dreading it. Uh, And she knows it's wrong to feel this way, but she just feels like everything is going so well uh, and that everything will change if any of her new friends find out about her grandmother. Um, And uh, yeah, she she gets into the house then and the front door swings open and out rushed a tiny, plump, white-haired woman in a shapeless, flowered dress. And this is oh Nana. Nana is every... St- like, she could, she could be oh. generic old country granny. Yeah. You, she could be from anywhere. She could be from Lithuania. She could be from Ireland. She could be, like, it's all the stereotypical, Very you know. Very so, yeah. What do you American girls do with your short skirts and your freedom? <laughs> your freedom. <laughs> Too many rights. That's the problem. Also... Yeah, Mexican listeners. I, I'm i just saying that the picture she gives of Mexico, I am pretty sure is not entirely accurate. Mm, yeah. um, it is very reminiscent, shall we say, of the time that EastEnders, the popular British soap, went to Ireland for a few episodes. And what ensued was so offensive that after the first episode aired, they had to air an apology at the beginning of every one of the following Oh my God, really? Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> no please search, search EastEnders Irish episodes. It was the funniest thing ever. Oh. And there is a bit where one of the Irish characters finds out that Pauline Fowler works in laundress and says, you have drying machines. Here Stop we it. let the wind dry our clothes. No. <gasps> Did they time travel? <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> And everyone's like on a donkey. It is so awful. It's so funny, but not intentionally. It is really basically that's the impression Nana gives of Mexico. Yeah, like leap year. (laughs) Yes, very much so. So yeah, she doesn't approve of Rose's short hair and short skirt. And when Mrs. Jameson tells you that's the style in America, because apparently everyone in Mexico is still wearing, I don't, I don't even know what they're wearing. (laughs) God, yeah. She says, not in Mexico. This is 1992, by the way. When a girl grows into a woman, her hair and her shirts sh- skirts should get longer. Like, what? I don't know. She's also puzzled by the idea of shopping malls. And it's like, there exactly. are shopping malls in Mexico. I know she's like meant to be like from a rural town in Mexico, sure. But don't act like there isn't, you know, a city. Yeah, <laughs> very large. City. In Mexico. <laughs> like... Um, so yeah she goes on about oh they wear this to school they go half dressed (laughs) and what kind of school is this a very good school Mr Jameson assured his mother a school that cares more about the students what more about what the students learn than about what they wear I mean do they oh I don't think yeah, that's true. I, w- I would question that statement for sure. Mm. <laughs> he's been sold a pop on that one. He certainly has. Well, I guess he's new to town. Doesn't know their <laughs> quaint ways yet. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, Rose thinks that Nana is hopelessly foreign, I quote, and will never understand American life, but then starts to feel affection for her, like seeing her in her quaint Mexican ways, in inverted commas, she does say this, in their elegant California home. 
And uh, she said she didn't mind the long journey and she would travel 10 times as far to see my little Rosa. And this annoys Rose. And she tells Nana that she's calling herself Rose now because it's shorter. Nana's mystified, rightly so, because it isn't shorter. It's, yeah, not at all. It is the exact same number of letters. Um, but yeah, Nana's a bit like, she's kind of confused by this and she's like, oh, you know, she's changed so much and says to the parents, you know, it's almost as if she's not Mexican at all anymore. And Rose is kind of secretly delighted with this. Yeah. But um, but then her mom and dad are like, oh no, of course, of course she's still Mexican. You know, we've had this conversation before. Uh, you know how I feel. And he kind of talks about, you know, that it's 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 their choice to assimilate if they want to. Um, and that, you know, Rose, Rose is growing up and she's developing her own style and they're proud of her. But um, yeah, then they yeah, her mother then says, oh, you know, Rose is proud to be Mexican as we are. And it's like, well, she's definitely not. Yes. I'm not even sure that you guys are either. But look, <laughs> again, not really our place to judge. <laughs> well, also, uh, yeah, like Mrs. Jameson, they all reiterate how proud uh, Rose is to be Mexican. But Rose feels weird because she isn't. Yeah. And uh, Nana's like, oh, she's too young to know what's right and what's wrong. And... Rose is frustrated, but it's saved by the bell, uh, or so she thinks, because the phone rings for her. But actually, it stresses her out even more because it's Lila. Oh, this is it. So, yeah, she uh, tells her that she was out shopping at the tennis shop. Um, <laughs> it is the tennis the, shop. The, of course. So her and Amy have picked up new rackets and she's all set to come over uh, the following day for their doubles game. And then Rose is like, oh, shit. She's like, oh, no, we can't. Uh, we, can, we can't. Uh, do that tomorrow because the court is being resurfaced kind of just comes up with it on the spot um so i was like oh that's okay sure we can just hang out by the pool at my house instead um but then she's like oh i can't make it and kind of makes excuses about how she has to go to the dentist um <gasps> and then there's like the slumber party on the friday that uh lila suggests they have in rose's house and again she's like oh no uh, my parents are having some people over for dinner so she has to keep making excuses not to host anything um and she can hear lila's a bit disappointed but she manages to get out of of all these kind of commitments so far anyway but uh it's just when she's finished talking to lila you can just she's really resentful of her grandmother because she's having to to cancel all these things because of nana apparently yes that has wrecked her life yeah um so yeah she's full of resentment and rage by the way also i the, the bit where she thinks she she's uh, she she feels that Lila on the phone feels much too close. She'd been certain that Lila could sense Nana's presence. <laughs> oh God, Lila's spidey senses are tingling <laughs> for non wasps. <laughs> I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, um, meanwhile, Jessica ju- has just arrived home from the tennis racket buying trip, which of course ended in a trip in a in a with dropping into Lisette's when mm. Sam arrives and is lured in with the promises of seeing Jessica in her new bikini <laughs> well it does the job <laughs> but um, yeah when he uh, he comes into the house with her and she kind of just checks the whatever post they've gotten that day that she'd taken out of the mailbox but she spots um, an envelope addressed to her parents that is clearly from the school so she's like oh shit and realises it's the warning slip from her failing her last few maths uh, exams so Sam is like oh why what's the story here and she when she reveals that she's failing her class he's like wait you're failing because uh, obviously he didn't realise <laughs> yeah, how badly she was doing with yeah. it and he, in fairness to him he does say look I didn't know you were failing and I, I would have made you study had I known that Um. So Jess is like, well, it's too late now. And uh, if my parents find out about this, uh, that it's gotten this far, I'm going to be grounded for sure. Um, so, of course, he doesn't like the sound of that either. But um, yeah, he like Sam is such a sweetie, though, because he's he like, is, like, I'll yeah. help you study next time. Maths is one of my best subjects. Um, and, you know, you'll do better on the next one. So, but Jess is like, look, 
there's no point in worrying mom and dad about this. I'll just get an A on my next test and then everything will average out and it'll be fine. So she reckons she's doing them a favor. Uh, and he's like, doing them a favor? How? She's like, by doing this. And she just like rips <gasps> the envelope the little wagon. So yeah. she's like, would you, would you rather see me get grounded? Uh, and Sam's kind of horrified. He's like, yeah, what yes. are you doing? Your parents are bound to find out. Um, but she just kind of wins him over anyway. And mm. uh lures him out uh, with the promise of again the bikini and swimming in the pool so that's that done (laughs) well at dinner Ned and Alice praise Liz's cooking which irritates Jess and this (laughs) all this all these bits where Jessica is irritated with Liz is all being is set up for the next book um so uh she Alice asks how the test went and Liz lie or Jessica lies and says Mm. she got a B oh yeah and Liz of course knows that's not the case at all so she's kind of sitting on the other side of the table like what the fuck is she saying (laughs) so she uh gives her a pleading look to uh to keep the secret but um Ned is like oh so I guess staying in and cramming really did the trick so they're like uh she's like yeah yeah uh that's that's what did it you know i learned my lesson and you know in future i'll do better at balancing work and play <gasps> but um just kind of yeah manages to, to get herself out of it anyway or, or sell the lie but uh, afterwards liz is like they're gonna find out eventually like mm. what are you doing there will be a warning slip or mrs taylor will call them um but jess is like oh it's a risk but it'll be fine i'll get a, a good grade on my next one and yeah it'll all it'll all balance out and everything will work out fine yeah she says she'll get herself out of trouble she always does. Mm. She's not wrong, though, to be fair. It's the worst mm, thing. She never learns a lesson. <laughs> no, that is true. Well, on that note, we're going to take a little break to tell you about another show in the Headstuff podcast stable. Yeah, so this week uh, we're going to tell you about the Cinestream Club. Uh, so it's a movie podcast uh, where Trevor Brown, who's a comedian, and regular Cinestreamers Edwin Salmon and Andrea Farrell watch movies that mean a lot to people and put them to the test to see if they deserve a place in the coveted Cinestream vault. Ooh. So it's uh, it's a new one to the to the network, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good one to check out for uh, movie fans of any kind. And you can hear a little bit right now. I'm Trevor. I'm Ed. And I'm Andrea. And we are The The Cinestream Club, where we take a movie that society deems a classic and put it to the Cinestream test. Where we ask all the tough questions like, does this movie make any sense? Why isn't Tom Hanks in this movie? How many sandwiches are in this film? What kind of watches are people wearing? Was that sex scene really necessary, says my mother? What trivia does Trev know in Trev's Trivia? What trivia do I know? In Trev's trivia. That's what I said. I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All these questions and more will be answered every fortnight in the Cine Stream Club. Available from wherever you get your podcasts. And the Headstuff Podcast Network. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where Rose is arriving home in a bad mood. Because it's at the third day now that she's had to head home straight from school to look after Nana while her parents are still at work. And she's miss- <laughs> missing loads of allegedly cool social activities, which we will not bore you by detailing. <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, I've got 10 more days of this shit. But <laughs> when she goes in, she smells the delicious scent of her favourite cookies, Polverones de Canela. Apologies for any Spanish speakers. I do not know if I pronounce that properly. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently there is cinnamon shortbread cookie, which sounds fucking mm-hmm. delicious. Um, but yeah, they're her, one of her favourite things uh, to eat and she hasn't had them in years. So Nana's making them and the, the kitchen smells amazing. So they have a nice little kind of bonding yeah. bit about how, you know, she always used to eat them before they'd cool down. So they'd all be gone and all this kind of thing. And it, it is quite cute. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rose sort of feels it's only a matter of time before Nana criticises her. But Mm. then to her surprise, Nana praises the dress she's wearing. 
Yeah, which is actually she, quite sweet. It is, and it's very cute. Um, yeah, because when she says she's going up to change, Nana's like, "What? Change into what? I like what you're wearing." Uh, and she's, uh, yeah, she says, you know, the dress it's it's a little short, but it's very pretty. Simple, pretty lines. And she says, "Look, I could copy the pattern and make you another dress just like it in a different fabric." Uh, and Rose is kind of surprised, but then Nana's like, "You know, didn't you know that your grandmother made all her own clothes since she was a girl your age?" So she kind of tells her about how uh, oh, this is it. Yeah, she's like, "We didn't have God. what do you call it? Shopping malls." <laughs> Oh my God, then she says, no, people must make... Well, she says this in the present tense, by the way. She says she mm. still does this. So she says, in Mexico, we don't have. So this is not meant to be like back in the 30s or something. Um, she but says, like when oh, I was a girl, it's very like, yeah, this oh. is the current state of affairs. Says, we don't have shopping malls. No, people must make and grow things for themselves. I mean, I know Nana is meant to be rural. But they 100% had shopping malls in Mexico in the 90s. And they were not a nation of subsistence farmers. It was like everybody was just like growing their own food. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. And I then mean, I've seen House of Flowers. The family in the House of Flowers, uh, in, in who owned the House of Flowers in Mexico City, they were not spending the 80s grubbing around making their own. <laughs> Working the land. Yes. Exactly. I do recommend House of Flowers, by the way. Very entertaining. Uh, it was described by somebody as Alma Dover doing Succession, which is quite oh, true. Damn. Okay. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Um, Nana lives a far cry away from the Dedamora family. She is uh, apparently living in, in the olden days. Yeah. And uh, she made Rose's mother's wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, and Rose remembers what a gorgeous dress it was. And, you know, it was embroidered with tiny white flowers and like super impressive. But um, yeah, Nana then says, you know, your mother could never sew uh, just like she can't cook. So um, they kind of have a bit of friendly banter about how, uh, you know, she, she does cook and she's like, oh, not real food. But um, yeah, so they're kind of they are kind of getting along and she's not feeling super resentful at the minute, at least. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. But uh, yeah, she gets up and she goes up and changes, comes back down to do a bit of studying, I think. But uh, then Nana kind of comes out and does a bit of gardening and talks about how the, the tools that her parents' company make are really good. And, you know, they kind of chat about how oh, Rose is like, oh, gardening's not my thing. And again, Nana's like, oh, talking about the farm and growing things. and It's in your blood and all this, because again, she's a time traveler. Rosa is somehow surprised to learn that Nana grew up on a farm because she never knew about this before, even though <laughs> like her dad grew up on the like on a, the farm next door to it. Like they have really Nana is out of sight, out of mind in this family. It's pretty disgraceful. Very much so. Clearly, Rose just uh, never asked any questions about their time living in Mexico. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea, though, about when that is all like, oh, how do you not like gardening? It's in your blood. I mean, like, pretty much everybody in this country is a few generations back from a farm. Like, True. And, I mean, my grandmother grew up on a farm. I don't think I've got farm been farming in my blood <laughs> as the state in my back garden. Would be. <laughs> not a cow whisperer, no. <laughs> Definitely not. Or a plant whisperer. Or a growing things whisperer. Even the plants in my sitting room are a bit feeble. Honestly, I stick with succulents because they seem to be impossible Mm -hmm. to kill. And that's going pretty well for me so far. (laughs) Oh, Oh, well, I've been testing that theory, I can tell you. (laughs) I will straight up murder that aloe vera. (laughs) I literally did. (laughs) How did you kill an aloe vera? (laughs) I don't know. My farming blood. Nearly wow. all the Dublin city blood cancelled today. There you go. <laughs> yeah, How far it. away from you, from a farm are you? I mean, most of us, it's not that far. Uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure my granddad would have been 
Yeah, like granddad was from Kerry originally, or like his family would have been from Kerry. So like, yeah, not that many generations at all. <laughs> well, according to Nana, this should, <laughs> we should have a connection to the soil. Mm, there you go. We're clearly failing at that. We are. But um, yes, uh, the uh, the farm that Nana grew up on was indeed the same farm her father, uh, or sorry, Rose's father grew up on, mm. but he didn't want to farm himself. So he wanted to invent ways to make farming easier, more profitable for everyone. Rosa has never even heard of this before, uh, which is a bit weird. <laughs> and uh, Nana says that yes, there, you know, her father is is brilliant. He got his brains and his looks from his dad. And extremely strangely, Rose asks, "Was Grandpa Jimenez handsome?" Like it's one thing to not want people to know where you're from, but like, does she even know where she's from? <laughs> like, has she never seen a photo <laughs> of her granddad? Whatever about the shopping malls, like they definitely had cameras yes. in Mexico in the 90s and 80s. So like, come on, lads. And maybe when rich Mr. Jameson made a trip home to his roots, he could have brought a camera with him from his mansion. You think. Okay. <laughs> Fancy American cameras. Yeah. Well, Nana waxes lyrical about how hot her dead husband was and how <laughs> uh, it all gets a bit, uh, you know, ah, the old country. Yes. Uh, he waited to ask me to marry him until he had landed next to my family farm and could present himself as an equal and combine the land and um, gush, Rose gushes that this sounds like a wonderful movie and Nana says that uh, it was better than a movie it was my life <gasps> and she's tearing her eye and uh, Nana says that Rose inherited her grandfather's independent spirit and then reveals that she funded the farm machinery empire Jesus, yeah, she sold the farm and used the money to help um, Rose's dad and uh, Rose's mom to, to start their company. So she still lives in the house, apparently, uh, but obviously the land is all sold off with years. So mm. she's a, a big stockholder in the company and is delighted because four times a year she gets a check from an American bank. And your son can't even visit you. <laughs> God, like that fucking deadbeat. Yeah, like <laughs> use that money to visit Nana. <laughs> or take her to visit you. Honestly. What a family. Fuck's oh, sake. God. So Rose realises that her, without Nana, the business would never have been possible. Yeah, you'd think they'd all be a bit more grateful. And uh, <laughs> Nana sort of dismisses this. Like, no, your parents would have figured something else now out. But um, Rose looks at Nana with new respect and then lies in the sun and fantasises about her grandparents, which isn't weird or creepy at all. Nope, not a bit. She's fitting right in in Sweet Valley, to be fair. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Think about how hot her relations are. Yes, we're told in her mind's eye, she saw a pretty young Mexican woman in a bright red dress bringing lunch to a handsome farmhand, his black hair damp with sweat and his eyes sparkling. That is your granddad. <laughs> that is fan about fiction about your grandparents. <laughs> you, I mean, I know we were admitting to unwholesome crushes <laughs> last week, but we were not related no, to the priest from Midnight Mass or Roman from Succession. Stop it, oh God. It's our, our, our crushes are completely pure and wholesome in comparison to this. In comparison to that, yes, we are absolutely the most wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we cut to Casey's where there's a sickening exchange that totally reinforces very unhealthy diet culture and I hate it. Yeah, we just skip it. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, it's bad. Let's not cover bad. it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Karma and Jessica and Lila are there and Amy and they wonder if they're making their pledge challenges a little bit too easy, especially for Rose. Um, 
I said, I think you're going to have to give her something hard, which they don't, by the way. You think that's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't really. Yeah. They keep talking about, oh, they've been too easy on her, but their last <laughs> challenge is not hard. So, uh, yeah, Amy tells the others about Jess's impressive performance with Ms. Taylor, um, who asked how her parents reacted to the warning slip, which, of course, we know she, they never saw. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Jess told quite a tale. Yeah, she <laughs> what was this? She uh she told her some story about how her and her parents are going to make up a study schedule uh to help her catch up on her missed assignment and get a jump on the next one. So really just purely well lied to her teacher's face anyway. Mm. <laughs> uh, she's spinning <laughs> spinning quite the web uh, around herself here, but Lila's very proud of her and uh impressed by all this. But uh while Jess is kind of mid-flow telling them how amazingly she did with her acting skills mm. uh, she sees something that makes the blood drain from her face <gasps> yes it's Sam and he's with a hot blonde <laughs> oh my god yes there's a tall curvy girl with a, a long mane of platinum blonde hair at his side uh, and like the four of them are just staring at this girl basically but uh, Jessica's like oh yeah that's a friend of his Lana somebody apparently she's met her before um, she goes to Bridgewater and also races dirt bikes Mm, yes. I, I imagine her looking like somebody like in a white snake video. Oh, yes. She belongs in a car bonnet for sure. Yes. So it's the platinum blonde mane. That's it. And great. girls in Sweet Valley are very rarely, if ever, referred to as curvy. So <gasps> That's she's got a rack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so yes uh, Jess recognises her from the track Mm. and uh, her name's Lana and she says she's just a friend but Lila scents blood (laughs) she's like a shark this one yeah yeah, Jess is insisting that she's just friends with Sam and uh, when Sam sees them he crosses to the table and Jessica's like he doesn't look guilty does he and is like super overthinking everything so like Sam is pure casual comes over and he's like hey Jess gives her a big kiss and says oh we were just at the track practicing for the uh, the race at the weekend and he's like oh yeah you you two guys have met um, and just says yeah we just came in to, to get an ice cream soda uh, and says he's just uh, there to grab that and then to take Lana home but Jessica again is like oh God, is he is he talking much faster and louder than he needs to? Why is she smirking? Uh, is it my imagination? And she's just like massively in her head about this entire exchange. Um, of course, then gets wound up by Lila immediately. As soon as Sam leaves, Lila's like, hmm, speaking of losing interest, oh, <laughs> just winding her up a little bitch. <laughs> that's when she's being a fun bitch, not an actual evil bitch. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jessica's sure Sam is madly in love with her, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And we're told she was not used to feeling uncertain and vulnerable and she did not like it one bit. No. Welcome to the real world, Jessica. There you go. Actually, a moment of relatability for Jess. Who would have thought? <laughs> but seldom is wonderful. <laughs> so later, Liz wants to ring Todd to ask him to check some stuff on a piece she's doing about Sweet Body High expanding its sports program. Oh how would that even be God. possible? <laughs> like seriously, how much further can it expand? What else do they want? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she can't ring him because Je- Jessica is haranguing Sam on the phone and has been for hours. God, yeah. Um, it sounds like they're properly having a fight. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, she's not going to get uh, that phone line freed up anytime soon anyway. So she's going to have to uh, drive over to Todd to yeah. ask him this boring question. And when she does, she finds a fresh meeting in progress and she offers to leave. But Todd is like, oh, no, no, just um, just hang around if you want, because um, it's nearly finished. Mm. So she gets to witness Todd and Bruce arguing about whether the challenges are so difficult that they're basically sabotage. Like, yeah, are they playing fair? Hmm. Um. And uh, 
Ken and Winston keep trying to get them to move on, but Todd and Bruce just are losing the rag. Pretty much, yeah. And like as Liz is kind of she like she's she's close enough to to kind of see and hear what's going on, but is yeah. you know, enough out of it, I suppose, that she's not actually involved. But like as she's kind of watching this argument unfold, and everyone like I suppose yeah, Winston and and Ken trying to keep the peace, but like the rest of the the Pi Epsilons all just kind of get up and walk away as yeah. it goes on because they're all just fed up of it. Like so, Bruce and Todd are really kind of ruining it for everybody between the two of them with this big rivalry, hmm. and uh, it eventually gets to the point where I think Winston is the only yeah. one left, and even he's just kind of fed up eventually, and he's like, oh my god. God, I was going to update you guys on my plans for the dance. At this rate, there isn't even going to be a dance or a fraternity. And <gasps> just like walks off. So like basically everybody that was at this meeting at this stage has just wandered off in boredom yes. because they're just sick of hearing the two of them going at each other. I do like that Winston literally throws himself in between, oh, yeah. uh, in between them because <laughs> the only way you can get their attention. No, just flail around in between the two yeah. of them and hope for the best. So Liz thinks that instead of arriving the fraternity, it looks like Bruce and Todd might kill it off. So the next day, as the school ends, uh, a school day ends, Liz wonders why, Liz, or Jess wonders why Liz is in such a bad mood. And it's because you can't get Todd to be reasonable. And apparently he's acting like Ron and Paul are just irredeemable. And this is like, they're not actually that bad. Um, but he's just thinks they're like, they're Bruce's men. So he's, he's a, a man obsessed. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, Jess points out in Todd's opinion it's a crime just to be friends with Bruce Patman. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, and again, I, I don't know why Liz is, is even involving herself. But exactly. you know, it's Liz, I don't know what we expected. <laughs> True. So when they head out to the car park, they see Rose getting into her car and Lila says she needs something for her, a photo of her to add to the <laughs> extravagant Pimeet Alpha picnic banner. Honest to God. Uh, yeah, so is this for the, it's for the picnic. Yeah, so they're having yeah. a big banner made <laughs> for the picnic printed with all the pledges, names and pictures. And like, it's not like this is a big school event or anything. Like, it's no. literally just whoever's already in PBA and the new members. But like, it just seems like so much hassle. But anyway, <laughs> she's getting this thing printed up and just needs a photo of Rose. So hmm. she says, look, why don't me and Jess uh, follow you out to your house so we can grab a picture and then we'll get this printed. So uh, Rose kind of panics and she's like, no, 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 I don't want you to go out of your way. Um, and says that she'll just take everything and get it printed herself. She's like, look, I'll, I'll save you the trip and I'll take care of it. Because, you know, I'm a pledge and we're supposed to be doing all the work for the picnic. So she kind of manages to look like she's being helpful when in reality she's kind of fobbing Lila off yes uh, and she literally jumps in her car and zooms off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah she's um, she she's she's was so ha- her, you know in such a hurry to get away mm. that um, Lila uh, says to Jess look that Rose hasn't been seeing you know the PBAs outside of school hours and and Lila declares, in my opinion, she's missing the point of Pi Beta togetherness. <laughs> and uh, she'd better get over it quickly. Yeah, Lila has a plan to uh, to make sure that she has to hang out with them. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sounds very ominous. It really does. So by the time Rosa gets home from, um, you know, getting all this printing work done, she's totally frazzled. She's exhausted. She's been spending so much energy doing family stuff. She's been missing out on social events. Mm. She thinks it's all Nana's fault. Why did she have to come to Sweet Valley? Why did she stay in Mexico where she belongs? Woof. Oh, God. Come on, Rose. 
So when she arrives home, Nana says that she knows Rose has been missing shopping outings with her friends. So she's going to take her to another shopping trip of her own. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, Nana has an address all written out for uh, for Rose because Rose is like, oh, are you ready to experience your first American shopping mall? Uh, and Nana's like, no, I'll never be ready for that. <laughs> so she hands out this address, uh, which is uh, like a farm market yeah. somewhere on Highfield Road. Uh, oh, so Rose is kind of relieved because she realizes she's not going to run into anyone she knows out of a farmer's market um so yeah so they're they're going to head out to uh pick up some vegetables <laughs> yes so out they go and Nana shows Rose how to select the best veg and hmm. it's all quite wholesome and Rose is surprised by how how nice it is um you know she's she feels really pleased when Nana tells her she she's chosen a perfect avocado hmm. but when they go to the till um Nana talks to the there's a girl working there um who Nana talks to in Spanish and Rose starts feeling sort of impatient wanting to get home because what if somebody she knows turns up? Um, but when they get home and Nana insists Rose help cook dinner, Rose's mood improves and she's actually pretty impressed by Nana. Yeah, she kind of realizes, you know, that it's actually quite nice and she's learning some stuff as well because Nana has all all her recipes just, you know, in her head. Mm. Um, because when she asks, like, what recipe are you using? Nana just kind of like taps her head and she's like, oh, they're all up here. And she's just very impressed by Nana's skill and how good she is at, you know, combining flour and seasonings and mm. how she gets it all uh, on the go with such ease. And Rose decides that she wants to learn how to cook like this, too. So she um, she kind of has a revelation then that, um, you know, it, it would be a terrible loss if her family forgot how to cook like this authentic and Mexican, authentic Mexican way, uh, or like forget the stories of their past or whatever. So, uh, but then she's also like, Oh, but then is that compatible with living and thinking American? But, um, but she does enjoy cooking with her grandmother and it is kind yes. of a nice scene that they have together. It is. Um, but then Lila calls and gives her the next challenge. She has <laughs> to have a party at her, at her house on Saturday for all the Pi beat alphas. Yes, this is her her final pledge task. Mm. Um, so Rose is like, oh shit, because uh, she she can't get out of it, but she also can't turn Lila down because this is her task and this is what's going to get her into to PBA. Because um, yeah. even when she says she tries to make up an excuse about her parents planning something, Lila's like, your parents aren't rushing by by Beta, you are. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she's like, look, it's either a party this Saturday or I'm afraid we won't be able to offer you membership. <gasps> so Rose kind of tries to buy some time and says, look, I will have to check up my parents and I will let you know tomorrow. So she yeah. kind of not puts her off, but just, yeah, again, buys herself a little time, but is just like, how am I going to do this? Uh, because she reckons it's an impossible choice that if she has the party and her friends see Nana and discover the truth about her background, there's no way that they'll let her be part of the in-group at Sweet Valley High, which again, does, awful. <laughs> does not speak well of the no, in-group. Like at all. God. <laughs> um... But then when she sees Nana bustling about the kitchen, you know, just being so happy and she feels love for her and then she feels a new conviction and rightly thinks there's nothing in her background to be ashamed of. Mm. And if some people look down at her because of uh, her heritage, it was their prejudice and their problem, not hers. Exactly, yeah. But she does kind of flip-flop between the two oh, things she as well. A lot, yeah. Oh, so much. Because then even like within that paragraph, she's like, oh, but, you know, she um, she'd lied to the PBAs and they're not going to take it lightly when it turns out that this whole background she had for herself was completely invented. And she says, you know, if they find out the truth, mm. they're bound to turn her backs on her. And what was she going to do? Yeah. Again, doesn't say much for them. Mm. Um, though I guess she's, she is thinking at the moment, it's, it's like, it's basically like being in trouble with the mob. Oh, God. Like, what if they find the truth? Oh no, they're gonna get me. 
more frightening though imagine right. having Lila and Jessica on your case aye, aye, aye. <laughs> so the next day uh, Rose wakes up after a troubled night because she still doesn't know what to do and she's hmm. greeted by Nana who's made her a giant feast of huevos rancheros yeah a lovely breakfast for her oh, wouldn't say no to that <laughs> um and she says, oh, I couldn't eat this every day. I'd be enormous. <laughs> and Nana uh, says, oh, you American girls, always on diets, eating nothing but ensalada. Because they're doing that thing where they have a character speaking in, they're meant to be in their, speaking in their own language, but they're speaking mm. in English. But then every so often they just put a word in. Just Throw in a word in Spanish. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, again, this could be generic old country granny. Mm. Could be True. from anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere, just like, oh, you, these girls are so skinny. Ah, you, <laughs> you just want to, you know, starve yourself. But actually, Rose notices for the first time that Nana isn't, is, is easier in an affectionate way, not in a giving out way. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, she does kind of soften towards her because usually she'd kind of bristle at this type of, of comment. But uh, no, she's, she's still on good terms anyway and feels close to her uh so she's you know she kind of realizes that uh she couldn't continue to hide this woman or or hide this essential part of herself she's like you know i shouldn't be ashamed of her i should be lucky to have someone like nana in my life um and realizes you know nana's ready to accept rose with all her like changing her name and trying to be american and stuff so she's like look it's only fair that i accept nana so she says look i'm gonna have the party if they see nana she'll just have to tell them the truth and and hope for the best but then she's like, well, oh God, of course they're going to see Nana. So again, she's flip-flopping around the place. <laughs> and also there's this sort of generic, oh, you know, they're so old-fashioned in Mexico where um, she says, like, yes, Nana, you're right. The people are too obsessed with, you know, appearance and, and, uh, and like, fashion in the United States. Like there aren't any super, super glamorous Mexican women. No, like, there's never been a Mexican model in the history of the world. No. <laughs> It is genuinely like you would think that she's talking about, I don't know, some sort of medieval society. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure there were more glamorous Mexicans in the 90s than Irish people. Oh, my God. One thousand percent. Yes, of course there were. <laughs> um, well, Rose realizes that Nana has accepted her and accepted that, you know, she's embraced her, her Americanness and that she should accept Nana in her turn. And she's lucky to have her in her life. Once in every, every three years, of course, because... Well, yes, with... <laughs> with parents. <laughs> but uh, she still can't bear the thought of the Pi Beat Alpha seeing her. Oh, so yeah. She, <laughs> you think she just has to get her out of the way somehow before the party? You have to think of something, yeah. Yes. So on Friday, she's with the Pi Beta Alphas watching Bruce on the tennis court. And we're told that he he will only play if he could be the best. And if he was dropped from the top seed, he'd quit the uh, tennis team. And <laughs> He's so high maintenance, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he really is. I mean, he's very entertaining, but fucking oh, hell. <laughs> but could you be arsed? <laughs> but actually, Lila agrees with him about the fraternity. She uh, says a fraternity is a fraternity if it's not exclusive. The same goes for sororities. I wouldn't want to belong to Pi Beta Alpha if we just admitted any old person off the street. Um, but <laughs> this triggers some genuinely sensible thoughts in Rose. Yeah, she, because, yeah, Jessica kind of says, oh, there's exclusive and there's exclusive uh, mm. and says that, you know, Todd is, is more open than Bruce. But um, but yeah, as Rose is listening to all this, it, it's obviously cutting a bit close for yeah. how she's feeling. And she kind of says, look, in her mind, she's like, well, there's exclusive and there's exclusive. But either way, people are getting left out and hurt and realizes that didn't really seem right. 
um, mm. while also kind of realizing that like exclusiveness is kind of the whole point of fraternities and sororities and why they're special and why she wanted to belong. So she's just getting kind of confused now about this whole thing where it's like, well, God, do I even want to be part of this? Yes. So yeah, again, more flip-flopping from Rose, yeah. but she's just getting even more confused, I suppose, the more she hears and the more she thinks about it. Oh, so uh, yeah, she she does a lot of flip-flopping before this book is out. Mm. But I guess she's only 16. It's true. She is a kid. Yeah. So the girls, yeah, can't wait for Rose's party, but she's still dreading it because like she has permission for her parents to have it, but the Nana is still an issue. Yes. But then... As Jessica's wanking on about... Sorry, wanking on. (laughs) (laughs) Banging on. (laughs) Careful now. About Sam and Lana. Oh, she doesn't want to be too clingy, but she doesn't like this Lana girl. Uh, Rose sees the answer to her prayers in a newspaper that's lying on the bench by the tennis court. It's very convenient. But yes, uh, there's there's an ad uh, for... Um, a concert by Roberto Martinez, who is Nana's favorite Mexican singer. So he's performing at an outdoor music festival uh, in Tierra Verde, which is like an hour from Sweet Valley. And the concert is on the Saturday night. So if she can manage to get tickets for her parents and for Nana, this will work out beautifully for her, where she'll get all of them out of the house and uh, have the house free for her PBA party. And nobody will meet her lovely grandmother. Yeah. So she rushes off to buy the tickets. Mm. On Saturday night, Rose is trying to hurry Nana out of the house. <laughs> Poor Nana. <laughs> bundled out. Pushing her out the door. And Nana's worried she's not glamorous enough for Roberto Martinez. Uh, but the Pipe Beat Alphas are due at any minute. So Rose just like throws a necklace on her and just like, out you go, Nana, boosh! <laughs> Off you go. Kicking her out the door. <laughs> so as soon as Nana and Rose's parents finally drive off to the concert, the Pie Beaters arrive and it's great. They're all settling in. You know, the party is uh, kicks off very quickly. But mm. then there's a knock on the door and Rose is getting something out of the ov- oven. So she asks Lila to answer it. <gasps> and who could Lila bring into the kitchen? <gasps> it's Nana. <gasps> and you think that this is going to be all is revealed. Yeah, but no. Um, so Lila wanders off, and in Spanish, which none of them can speak a word of, despite the fact they live in Southern California, and surely would at least one of them does Spanish in school. No. I mean, they, yeah, like how how do none of them do Spanish in school? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No sense. But um, yeah, uh, Nana tells Rose uh, that she forgot to tell her that uh, she made a special cake for her and her friends. Oh, yeah. So there's a cake um, in the fridge and yeah. Rose just kind of like says thanks, but just kind of, again, bundles her out the yeah. door to try and get rid of her. Um, and um, yeah, when Lila comes back in, she's like, oh, who was that? Because <gasps> uh, most of the girls are in the living room, but I think it's Lila, Jessica, Amy and Maria are in the front hall. So Rose is kind of like, OK, this is this is the time to just fucking come clean, explain that that was her grandmother. Uh, but instead... Uh, <gasps> Oh God, this is, this is actually really bad. Oh, um, she couldn't awful. bear to utter really the words. Sad. It's, oh, it's really sad. So she says, yeah, instead of just coming clean, the first thing that pops into her head is that was the cleaning lady. <sighs> yes. Grim. And uh, she came to pick up her paycheck and Lila snorts and goes, doesn't she speak any English? Oh. And then Rose says, not a word. She just babbles away in Spanish. I never have the vaguest idea what she's talking about. Oh, this is really sad. Her poor Nana, like she's so I lovely. Know. And uh, Lila commiserates again. Oh, again. <laughs> 
and says, oh, it's the same with our cleaning lady. Um, so uh, Rose sends uh, Lila and the others into the sitting room and then she goes to check on the fridge, or sorry, the cake in the fridge. Mm. And uh, it's beautiful. Oh, God. And again, this is awful because like this, it's a traditional like Mexican design and frosting on the cake. There's like words in Spanish on it saying to Rosa and all her friends with oh. love from Nana. Like oh. it's gorgeous. It's such a lovely thing that she's done. And this little bitch. Oh, my God. All she has to do is shove it to the back of the fridge. But no, she the, throws it in the fucking bin. The bin. The bin. Like... <laughs> We put you in the bin. <laughs> Get in there after that cake, Rose. We'll fucking swap you out. Oh my god, the nerve! Like, apart from the fact that it's so heartless, it's also such a fucking waste. Like, I just know. have the cake later, Jesus. On the cake, though, before she puts it in the bin, we're told she dipped a finger in the frosting, but when she lifted lifted it to her lips, all she tasted was the salt <laughs> of her own tears. Very dramatic. I do love that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, cakes in the bin and she goes oh, off to awful. her new alleged friends. Boo. So on Sunday morning, Nana's going home that day and Rose does feel awful as she's oh. helping her pack. Um, and she knows she should feel relieved Nana's going because her visit has caused so much stress, but she doesn't. Then Nana says she has a surprise. Oh, yeah. So she has this box for her Um uh, in her room that she hands over to her. So when Rose opens it, it's a cherry red cotton dress embroidered <gasps> all over with tiny white flowers. So this is the Aww. dress from the cover. Uh, and like this is oh, it's so gorgeous because this is kind of like the dress that she was wearing earlier uh, that her Nana liked. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like it, but the skirt is longer because Nana's traditional, you know. Oh, of course. Um, but so- the flower, the flower pattern that she's embroidered on it is the same one that she used on uh, Rose's mother's wedding dress. Um, so like it's gorgeous like the fact that it's been handmade by her grandmother like it's all lovely so she has this beautiful dress but um, it's like although Nana had copied Rose's sundress the new dress still seemed very Mexican <gasps> oh so it's it sounds delightful it's gorgeous yeah it's really lovely and uh, she's really really touched um, and she gives Nana a hug but as Nana goes downstairs to leave Rose puts the dress back in the box and thinks the handiwork was exquisite but like the cake the night before the dress was distinctly Mexican Rose sighed deeply she knew she would never wear it oh man come on Rose well after Nana's been dropped at the airport Rose genuinely feels terrible and she thinks I denied my own grandmother and then I've rejected oh. a token of her oh. love and she realises she had denied something even more essential, her own heritage. I mean, she has been doing that whole book, but yes. Yes, it's finally kind of hit home for her, I think, just the just how much she's kind of like cutting herself off from yes. her own family, basically, at this rate. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, she's she's kind of realising that she's she doesn't really have any proper friends or at least people that she can be completely... Um, open with yeah. because she's still hiding this part of herself and she's like how could she ever really feel close to them if they don't know the real Rosa Jameson indeed well we cut to Tuesday and uh, the tickets for the frash and sorority dance are selling well um, and Rose, Enid and Liz have joined Winston by the stall but he says uh, that like the Pi Beta Alpha pledges are lucky to have got their stuff over with because mm. they he knows that Todd and Bruce are going to make the last challenge for the Pi Epsilons as hard as possible and then the dueling duo arrive from opposite directions again. <laughs> they're, 
It's like the third time they've approached each other from opposite directions. It's so good. It is very Sergio Leone film. Oh, um, really. We need Artie Western in here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's out of sight, out of mind as well. <laughs> this is your chance, Artie. Get in here. <laughs> But he's such a nice guy. How is he's so nice, so popular? <laughs> Why is he even asked to join the fraternity? Why indeed? Well, Bruce gives the first challenge, and it's that uh, Todd's guys, Jim and Tom, have to acquire the pom poms of four El Caro cheerleaders during the basketball game that night. And Todd is like, they'll be playing the game, and the coach is already on their backs because of their last stunt. But Bruce doesn't mm. care. And Liz hopes that Todd will be like, okay, fuck this. Do you know what? I we can't put these you know pledges to all this nonsense but yeah. no he has a challenge of his own he does yeah so uh in return ron and paul have to yeah there's a tennis match against palisades high that afternoon so ron and paul have to borrow the racket covers of palisades four top seeded players and bring them to the picnic the following day so it's equally as difficult because also yeah. these guys are on a warning from their tennis coach who's on mm. their backs too and watching their every move because all these guys are just getting in trouble now with all these pranks they're having to do yes. um so it's both tasks are equally kind of ridiculous and too tough, like on the pledges um, and are things that are actually going to get them in trouble as well with their coaches. So no one's happy and yes. <laughs> they both stalk away from each other. <laughs> oh, God. It's, uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty grim. And when Bruce leaves, um, you know, t- t- Liz says to Todd, will it be a consolation to, to for you to know that when Bruce sank your pledges, you did the same of to his mm. and says look it looks like you're losing you know all you care about is just this competition with Bruce and you don't really care about the frat though he does say you're trying to keep Bruce's friends out of the frat and that makes you as guilty as he is but I mean it doesn't really because Bruce is awful he is this is the thing yeah but I suppose he is losing sight of what he what the whole point of this was which yeah. was to make the frat fun again but all he's doing now is getting into this fucking turf war with Bruce and no one's enjoying themselves indeed and Winston asks Liz well do you want to buy your dance ticket anyway and she looks at Surly Todd says no and stops <laughs> off <laughs> so uh we cut to Tuesday night and we learned that neither of the two pledge duos completed their tasks because each twin was at each sporting events and, you know, neither duo left their site. So they know mm. they weren't able to do it. So there was no sign of their trophies. Yeah. Um. So just Liz leaves Jess to study. But of course, she does nothing but chat on the phone for hours. <laughs> As usual. Yeah, she's on the phone to Sam. Uh. So, yeah, he's... Uh, He's asking her what she's up to and she's like, well, as usual, I'm sitting around trying to do my homework, but it's impossible because I can't think of anything but you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Sam is, is tempted to to go over to her house and carry her off. And he's like, well, how about a, a bridge, a party in Bridgewater with me tomorrow night? Um, but this time she really can't go because she has another another maths test uh, on the oh. Thursday. So this would be like her last chance to really redeem herself and get this good grade that's going to balance out everything up to now. Um so apparently, yeah, then he says that, uh, oh, yeah, Lana made a point of saying I should invite you. So, of course, Jess is on red alert Ooh, immediately. Yeah. Because it turns out that this party is Lana's birthday. <gasps> um, so Jessica's like, oh, fuck this. She's like, well, if she shows up at the birthday party as Sam's date, it'll be telling the world, specifically Lana, that uh, Sam was off limits. Whereas if she didn't go, she'd practically be throwing Sam into her arms. So just out of fucking divilment and stubbornness, Jessica's like, 
yeah, no, it's fine. I can definitely make it to the party. Oh. We have a half day at school tomorrow. I'll study in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, we're we're doing this because she's just not willing to let him go to this party without her clenched to his side. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, she, he does say, are you sure you could spare the time, yes. the studying time? She's like, yes, I can. But she, hmm. then she, she thinks, do you know what? It's going to be a miracle for me to pass this <laughs> test anyway. So what have I got to lose? Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the next day, Jessica declares, we should have a half day at school at a sorority picnic every Wednesday. Frankly, I'm surprised they don't. I mean, they basically do. They're always fucking, <laughs> fucking fake acting about the place and not going to classes for one reason or another. Because, <laughs> yeah, they're all gathered at Seca Lake, where the pledges are, as promised, waiting on the Pi Beta Alpha's hand mm-hmm. and foot. And uh, Rose thinks next year that will be me. The pledges will be waiting on me. But and- for some reason... The image did not please her as much as she had expected it to. Hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, because you can see everyone's enjoying themselves. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's not really as satisfying, I suppose, as she thought it might be. No. And then she notices a little dark haired girl wandering near the edge of the water. And she thinks the kid is too young to be wandering around on her own. But no, the pie beat off because uh, give a shit. Not a single shit. Because Rose is like, do you think we should do something? Shouldn't someone be watching this like very small child? Jessica's like, her parents should be watching her. It's like, yes, that's very helpful, Jessica. Um, And Lila's like, "Eh, she's not our responsibility. Like no one argued with Lila. No one seemed to care. Rose is like, I guess. But she's still kind of troubled by the whole thing that like this very small girl is on her own by the water. Um, But she kind of stays put and kind of keeps an eye on the little girl who then disappears over a small hill. But like 10 minutes later, uh, She's kind of stopped thinking about her, but then realises she can hear a kid shouting in the distance. Yes, it's wailing. Mm. And finally, the others take it seriously. Yes. The little girl's trapped down a well. Jeez, so dramatic. Well, I There was the famously baby Jessica in the That's late right. 80s, early 90s. I can't remember down when exactly well. it was. Yeah. So it was clearly in the air. Little kids were <laughs> trapped down wells. Here you go, it was in the public consciousness. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the kid's in the well. Um... And uh, Liz and Enid, the way they didn't seem to give a shit earlier either. Like they, I think they them. were. I think they were out swimming in the lake. They were the only ones oh, actually out swimming. Okay. The rest were all sunning themselves. So they they kind of, Have yeah, they kind of got out of that one. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. So they go to get help at the lodge, uh, hmm. but the little kid is trying to climb a rickety old ladder which could fall, and the girls are telling her, "No, no, no, don't do that." But she doesn't understand <gasps> because she only speaks Spanish. <laughs> Oh my god, in Southern California? What is this? <gasps> and of course, none of these dozy bitches speaks a word of it. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I did German in school, and my German would have been good enough to tell a child not to climb a ladder when I was 16. And wait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that it'll all be okay. But yeah, um, again, as, yeah, these fucking dummies. Uh, Jean is like, oh, I took Spanish in junior high, but I don't remember any of it. And Sandy's like, oh, yeah, Manuel taught me a few words, but none of them are any use here. So it's it falls to Rose, basically, to be the one to, to help this little girl because Kara's like, does anyone know Spanish? Um, so she realizes she's the only one who can help her. But uh, Rose, like, it feels like it takes her fucking ages to just make this. She's just agonizing over it. And like, oh, no, she couldn't open her mouth. If she let on, she spoke fluent Spanish. The Pi Betas would know for certain she'd lied about her background. Like, how how would that like surely just means you're good at Spanish or that you did it in school. Yes. Like, I don't yes. understand how that's like. A giveaway. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're good at languages. Good for you. I mean, Liz learned French in five minutes when they went to the south of France. Very like, <laughs> full of complicated conversations in it. Oh, 
God, yes. But it actually cuts away uh, as she's kind of agonizing over the decision. Oh. So you're kind of left wondering, is this poor child just climbing this fucking rotting <laughs> piece of wood and going to fall to her death before Rose fucking speaks up and says something? Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we cut across to uh, another part of the lake where Ken, Winston and all the sane members of the fraternity are having a pretty shit time at their picnic. Oh, yeah, it's no crack at all because uh, Todd and Bruce are just so fucking mean to each other yeah. all the time and just again like no one's enjoying themselves um and uh it's just not fun at all and yeah. todd kind of realizes that he's kind of he's kind of blown this and that actually ron and paul are kind of fun uh that ken and winston and the others actually quite like them as well and would have been happy to have them in the fraternity but now like everybody's failed their tasks yeah. so they're just like oh god we shouldn't have like taken this kind of aggro attitude out on the new pledges because yeah. it's you know, this was me and Bruce just butting heads, but uh, he's then interrupted by the sound of a loud cheer because he <gasps> sees uh, the four guys racing across the sand in the direction of their sad little picnic. <laughs> yes, because it turns out that the four of them teamed up and they each did each other's challenges. My goodness. Yes, they actually helped each other out in this, the spirit of brotherhood and fraternity yes. bullshit. <laughs> so Todd and Bruce agree that the pledges have proved their mettle and their good sportsmanship. Hooray. And in that same spirit, Todd offers Bruce's hand and says in the future, they'll leave their personal animosity aside when it comes to the fraternity. I mean, that still sounds like, I mean, I don't think I really want to be in fraternity <laughs> with somebody who's essentially my enemy. Yeah, it's like you have to hang out with them. Yeah. Do you admin with them? Why? Why do you want this? Don't forget the sex alcove is still in the middle. Oh, of course. <laughs> Can't get into the sex alcove without the, uh, the stamp of Pi Epsilon approval. <laughs> Well, Bruce shakes his hand and says, it's a deal. And then he grins at the pledges. So if you guys still want to become, belong to a club that includes drinks like me and Wilkins, welcome <laughs> to Pi Epsilon. Hooray. <laughs> By the way, meanwhile, Rose Raton's been frozen for an entire fucking minute. Yeah, so the kid's dead and uh, they all just went home. <laughs> <laughs> we're told it seemed to last last an eternity to Rose and probably I'm pretty sure it probably lasted an eternity to the kid in the well this poor child yeah who doesn't know what the fuck's going on but then slowly Rose straightened her shoulders I mean, not yeah, too slowly I hope take time anyway Rose through this loads of time no pressure <laughs> but then she wonders why did it take her so long to see the truth Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, she realizes that uh, her heritage is not a liability. And right now it's a blessing because <gasps> right now she has a power and a strength that none of her friends had. It's like, yeah, because we're too fucking dozy to take a Spanish class. <laughs> um, so she realizes it's time to own up to the Pi Betas and says if they decide not to let her into the sorority because of her background, then would she even really want to belong? Yes. She she's proud of who she is. <laughs> I know, like, finally, come on, Rose. And uh, yeah, she says, no, I'm proud of who I am. and I'm going to let the world know it. It's time hey. to like she's thinking all these long fucking calls and the whole time. <laughs> And it's like, will you help this fucking child or not? <laughs> what is happening here? So anyway, eventually she calls down to the little girl and says, look, it's okay. We're going to help you. Um, stay calm. You know, don't climb that. And kind of calms her down and, and cheers her up a little bit and stops her crying. So God, she takes her fucking time though. <laughs> she does. And then she, she the, the cheering up works very unconvincingly fast. So she tells this crying, very small child who stuck down a well, mm. think of your favourite toy, your favourite game. Now do you want to cry? And the girl says, no, I want to play. I'd be like, I can't think of a fucking toy. I'm stuck down a well. 
very busy right now. I wouldn't strange lady. Fucking, I did not swear at all no. when I was a child. Oh, not like, no, not as a child. Just not like on this podcast where I swear more than I do. By <laughs> for, I know we're making up for last time. Sweet Valley brings it out. <laughs> it really does. Mm. I think it's because I don't, I genuinely just swear when I'm angry. And uh, mm. in which case it's I do swear a lot, but. You know, I just get very angry throughout this podcast. That's it. It's frustration and anger brings it out in us. It fucking does. <laughs> so uh, anyway, this works. And uh, the kid cheers up and Liz and Ina drive with the Power Rangers and we're told... Power in- Rangers. <laughs> the Park Rangers. Well, the Power Rangers, where would the TV show? You know, it wouldn't be unheard of. Fucking Red Ranger and Yellow Ranger to turn <laughs> Pterodactyl! Wee! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, sadly, no, it is not Power Rangers. It is Park Rangers. <laughs> Sorry to get your hopes up, listeners. Well, let's <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, Rose talks to the couple in Spanish and learns that they're uh, new arrivals. They've just emigrated from Mexico and. Mm. They don't really speak English, but the, the child is rescued. And Rose, and this is genuinely really sweet. She says to the, the parents, I hope your girl, little girl won't have any more accidents and that you'll be safe and happy living in America. Oh, that is nice. It is. And then she turns to the PBS. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> and makes an extremely dramatic announcement. Oh, fucking hell. I know the way she says it is so weird. <laughs> She's like, because <laughs> they're all kind of looking at her and she's like, oh, she may as well ex- explain herself quickly and simply and then does the opposite of oh that. Oh my God. She's doing that thing where they're like, I'll tell you all. 10 years ago, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, literally, that little girl is who I was a dozen years ago when my parents first moved to Texas from Mexico. And they're like, Texas? Mexico? What about Massachusetts? And eventually she's like, oh yeah, look, I made all that up. I'm not that girl. I'm dot, 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 Mexican. <gasps> That's kind of how it's presented. It's ridiculous. All these bitches are just silent. They're silent. None of the pibatas spoke. Say something. Please, Rose thought desperately. Tell me it's okay that I'm still your friend. But they're all stunned and silent. Why do they give a shit? Like, Liz, what is happening? And like, Liz is there. Liz and Enid, who you would think would be like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Like... (laughs) Um, no. Like you would think that they had, she had just said, "I am a convicted serial killer." Then <laughs> <laughs> you more chill about it if she was a mad bomber for fuck's sake. Yeah. Well, she runs away crying, mm. and she thinks it was small consolation that she had saved a child's life. Oof. <laughs> well, she, perspective? No. no she okay. would never belong at Sweet Valley High. Oh my God, why would you want to? I know. I mean, wear that as a badge of honor, Rose. But Yikes. Anyway. Mm. So when she arrives home, she sobs at the couch and she's still sobbing when Liz, Cara, Jessica, Amy and Lila arrive around. And Liz. Oh yeah. Mm. No, I said Liz already. Gosh, I'm going to confuse yeah. with all these Liz stupid <laughs> She cares that much that she turned up twice. <laughs> <laughs> she's so sympathetic, don't you know? <laughs> There's now a third Wakefield made of Liz's sympathy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Power and a whole new person. Um, so yeah, they turn up and she says, look, I know you want to know all. And she's like, oh, the, that was my nana the other day. I pretended she was the cleaning lady. And Jessica, Lila's all like, that was your grandmother. Um, but Jessica says, you don't have to explain to us. I think we understand. And you would like to think that they would take a good, long, hard look at themselves. Mm-hmm. Really wonder why somebody felt they had to hide the fact they were Mexican uh-huh. to hang around with them. Yeah. You'd hope that. You would hope. Because <laughs> I think just, we understand. You, no. 
They sound no. like, oh my God, I'm really sorry that we clearly that you, made yeah. you feel that. That we made you feel that way and that you that you thought that that would have to be the case. Like, but uh, no, then uh, yeah, Liz's like, oh yeah, we came right over. We couldn't have you thinking that we didn't want you in the sorority. And Kara's like, oh, of course we still want you. Amy's like, more than ever now that you're a hero. So she's delighted. Um, she cries with joy and relieved. She's like, oh my God, this means so much to me. I thought you'd, I thought you wouldn't accept me if you knew. I should have known better. But then Lila's like, don't worry, Rose. We understand why you did what you did. And you can bet your secret is safe with us. No one else has to know you're Mexican. My notes just say, Lila. <laughs> it's an all caps moment for sure. Speechless with disgust. Oh, it's terrible. And, uh, yeah, Rose uh, looks at her and then she did something she could not have imagined herself doing a few days ago. And what is that? (laughs) She contradicts Lila. (laughs) Imagine. Yes, she says, everyone has to know. I'm not hiding my background anymore. Elizabeth nodded, her support and sympathy giving Rose the courage to continue. Where was the support and sympathy when she just left her there in fucking weird silence when she fucking said that she was from Mexico originally back at the fucking picnic? Come on, Liz. Um, But she also says, and my real name is Rosa, and that's what I want to be called. And Kara says, oh, that's pretty. Um, But Lila just continues being racist. (sighs) Just, she's on the bitch train now and there's no stopping. She's oh. just like, Lila tossed her hair. Rose is prettier, she declared. And that's who you are to us after all. Rose, we'll keep calling you that. Like, oh, fucking bitch, Lila, if I go over to you, my God. Oh. She's so rude. This is awful. And then Jessica shows that whatever <laughs> fucking racism awareness courses they had in that school. Like, in the last, <laughs> did, did not stick. <laughs> did absolutely did not because Jessica we're told dismissed the whole issue with a wave of her hand and says Rose Rosa what difference does it make oh my god you stupid bitch and then Liz who I thought had a bit more you know awareness Mm. in earlier books becomes a sort of I don't see colour person and just says the point is we like you for you instead of saying well, actually, it clearly does make a difference, Jessica, to yeah. Rosa. Shut the fuck up. She's, She's just told dead. us she'd rather be known as Rosa now. Like, just go with that because this is her preference. But like, and then Amy's like, where you're from doesn't matter, Rose. Like, Amy, did you not just fucking hear her? Yeah. No. <laughs> what matters is that you're a great person. But actually, where she comes is from does matter to her. It's like, you can't just ignore it. Oh, in your God. little wasp bubble. No, but like Rosa's kind of pleased by all this fucking terrible carry on. Um, yeah, and Jess invites her to go shopping with her and Amy and Cara to get uh, new dresses for the dance. Yeah, but when she walks them out, she says thanks for understanding. But then she realizes they don't understand. Like they've, she's you know, she still feels shit and. Uh, she she looks at photos from last week's party, which they've got developed very quickly. Mm. And um, she looks at a photo of her and Amy and Jessica and Lila and thinks we look like, um, you know, real sisters, not just sorority sisters. But then she remembers what Lila just said and thinks, no, Lila was not her sister. Mm. Lila would not want to be truly related to Rose. <gasps> yeah, so she... Uh... Realizes she's got acceptance from the the Pi Betas, but uh, but realizes that yeah they'd accepted the fact that Rose was Mexican, but it was obvious that they would just as soon ignore it. Mm. And they seemed to assume Rose wanted to do that too, mm. and said the other girls might not be overtly disturbed by the fact that Rose was a Chicana. 
the book's words, but they certainly were not going to encourage her to explore her heritage. No, if Rose joined the Pibetas, she would have to deny the biggest part of herself. Mm. So she feels she has to choose. She's yeah. free to choose, but she's forced to choose. Is she Rose or Rosa? <gasps> so later she goes to the mall with the PBAs and uh, they. Uh, Jessica reveals that Lana's party was awful. Sam was flirting with her, but he denied <laughs> it. And uh, she's definitely going to fail her maths test. So she might as well buy a fancy frock on her parents' dime and flirt with everyone <laughs> at the party to get revenge on Sam. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, you know, may as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb is kind of the uh, attitude with Jess at the minute. Mm. Um, yeah, so she's like, look, I've basically got nothing to lose at this stage, so <laughs> may as well just, yeah, get another big expensive dress I can't afford and get in even more trouble. Yeah. So when they try on dresses at Lisette's, uh, Rose tries on a, fr- a few frocks, but nothing is right. But then she has a revelation. Uh, yeah, she realizes that she's wearing uh, the dress, you know, and it fits her and it looks good, but it just doesn't feel right. And mm. she kind of fe- realizes that, you know, she just it, when she's looking at, at their reflections all together in the, the mirror, there's like four pretty American girls wearing four pretty party dresses. Uh, like she's in blue, Jess is wearing yellow, Amy's in black and Cara's in white. But she's like, I'm just one of four, like just one more American girl in a dress. So she's like, Rose Jameson doesn't stand out in a crowd. She isn't anybody special. So she kind of realizes that she's just kind of blending in so much that there's just nothing that individual about her anymore. Um, So she then remembers that there's a box, a one of a kind handmade box at home or box. (laughs) Maybe the box is handmade too, but there's also a dress in that box. (laughs) I just really like boxes. Okay. (laughs) Who doesn't? (laughs) But yeah, so that she has this gorgeous handmade dress at home uh, that was made, of course, by her grandmother. Uh, yes. So she knows that the uh, this red dress would do much more to flatter her figure and her colouring and would transform her and allow her to be herself. Yes. So she tells the others she is dressed at home. She's been saved. Mm-hmm. Perfect occasion. <gasps> so on Friday, Jessica is in the flowers confirming the flowers for the Pi Beta Alpha dance, which is being held at uh, the Wakefield home that evening. And we're told she literally waltzed out to the sidewalk, her eyes half closed. I, oh god sounds dangerous uh, yeah I was a bit confused because it's like this is for the, the induction ceremony but then the dance is also that night so I wasn't yeah. sure was there like a separate venue where oh, that was happening because like with the Pi Epsilon lads as well it seems like a lot of people to pile into the Wakefield gaff so maybe it's just that the ceremonies in their house and then they go to the dance yeah I wasn't super oh. clear how uh, how this all pans out to be honest I don't think they were super clear either I think they were just getting <laughs> no. confused with all these yeah. events it was an Too unusual many. amount of events even yeah. for a uh even for a Sweet Valley book. That's yeah, said. definitely. But um, yeah, she's uh, grooving on home. She's delighted with herself. But when she arrives in Calico Drive, uh, who should be home early? Mm-hmm. Well, Alice. <gasps> and she is not pleased. No, her arms are folded and she uh, can, Jessica can tell straight away that she is in trouble uh, because Alice reveals she got a phone call at the office uh, from Ms. Taylor. Uh, so she kind of says, you know, it was kind of a surprise to discover that uh, not only are you failing your maths test, but that uh, you apparently have some study schedule that you'd worked out with us. Um, so she's uh, not too happy with Jessica, who's like, oh, I can explain. Uh, it's like, mm, yeah, I don't think you can this time, <laughs> because obviously they they know now that she took whatever warning slip had been sent to the house that was meant for them and you know, threw it in the bin. So she's yes. in a big trouble now. So she's trying to be like, oh, you know. Was like repentant and hanging her head yeah. and going, oh God, I just need to look really meek and say it was a mistake and really, you know, perform this. But uh, yeah, Alice isn't having it at all. No. So she, yeah, she she's is, not impressed. Jessica is fucked, basically. She is. 
so um yeah she's she's grounded for the foreseeable mm. um and uh Al- jessica wailed she's like oh, i planned the whole dance but yeah it's being moved to lila's house mm. Yeah, they're uh, they're very good uh, event organizers. Yes, they really, it's <laughs> really good at the whole. Uh, it's the admin. Last minute, last minute, oh, look, they love the admin. A last minute switch, not a problem. They've no. got it covered. So yeah, so the induction ceremony is now happening at Fowler Crest instead, mm-hmm. and Jess has to stay home because her ass is grounded. Yes. And Jessica, she feels betrayed and she's angry that Liz is just sitting there quietly with a pained expression on her face, we're told. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she basically has a tantrum and is like, oh, you wrecked my life. Because <laughs> she realised she won't be able to see Sam for God knows how long. And yeah. she runs away from her. Indeed. We go to Rose's house where she's showing off her lovely dress to her parents and her dad calls her Rose but she says she's Rosa from now on and her dad thinks oh because you're in your Mexican dress but she's like no it's Rosa forever. Oh. So it's a sweetie. It is. It's nice. So she Rose, Rosa arrives at Fowler Crest which is decked out in fine style and then Lila takes centre stage striking a dramatic pose. I love the sound of this. Like, I know she's been terrible in this book, but damn if I don't love a dramatic pose from Lila Fowler. <laughs> Quite an outfit, which I'm sure you will describe. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> so she gives a big, ridiculous speech saying, only the brightest, classiest, most talented, most beautiful girls are chosen to enjoy this privilege. <laughs> and Enid. <laughs> Sorry, I really have an end for Enid in this book. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, so Lila looks intensely at Rosa and the other pledges and holds up a gold pin. And it's like, when we give you this pin, <laughs> you become one of us. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's kind of sinister, isn't it? Terrifying. <laughs> so the girls get their pins and finally Lila turns to Rosa. It's the moment of truth and Rosa makes the right choice. She does. She stands up, but does not uh, step forward to join Lila. Instead, she, in very dramatic fashion, turns to face the rest of the Pi Betas and uh, makes her own little speech and uh, says, you know, it's an incredible honour. I'll never forget how I feel at this moment knowing you want me to join, uh, but I have to turn down the invitation. So there's startled gasps uh, at this news. But she says she can't join PBA because she's Rosa Jameson, not Rose Jameson. She says, look, I'd like to remain friends with all of you. Uh, <laughs> and to tell you the truth, I think you'll like, I know, yeah, why? But she's like, um, I think you'd like Rosa better than Rose. She won't have to invent stories about her past and make up excuses for you not to come over to her house. And she's like, you know, this is this is who I am and I'm proud to be Mexican. So she kind of starts to leave, but apparently the rest of the Pie Beaters all cluster around her to hug her and say they still want to hang out with her um, and that they think she's great. So I find this very implausible. She has turned them down and that usually sends them into a rage. This is the thing, yeah. And even like Lila then is like, oh, you know, you still owe me and Amy and Jessica a tennis game. And like Lila has completely gotten off scot-free with all her horrible racism yes. uh, in this book. Like there is no lesson learned no, not by her at all. Uh, no. She just got away with every terrible thing that she said and nobody pulled her up on anything. So, and this is kind of like this resolved is just them going, yeah, let's play tennis. Well, brilliant. And it's just like, what the fuck, lads? And saying, maybe we'll go out for Mexican food. Ha 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 ha. I mean, I, know, I just do not believe that the Pi Beaters, if anybody said, actually, do you know what? I don't want to be in your sorority, yeah. um, would be in any way no. pleasant to them. They would be awful. They'd shove her in the pool. They would. <laughs> if she was lucky. <laughs> yeah, she'd be doing well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it for mm. Rosa for this book. Possibly oh, forever. Rosa. Can't remember. 
Um, but Liz arrives home later after a wonderful time at the party with Todd. Um, and we are told, and I think this might be uh, setting the scene, they're back to seeding the books again. So um, after the weird last minute introduction mm. to Randomers. But we're told that Stephen drove down to be with Cara and... Quote, from what Elizabeth could see, her brother and his girlfriend had never been so much in love. Ooh, yes, we're actually putting in some groundwork unusually. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. So she goes to check on Jessica and finds Jessica sitting by the window. It looks like she's sulking, but this is not a normal sulk. <gasps> yeah, apparently she doesn't sound angry or upset, but she sounds defeated, which is very mm. un-Jessica. Um, yeah, so... She's like, you know, I, I don't need you feeling sorry for me. And Liz is like, mm, I, I don't. I was just checking it, checking on you. Uh, but yeah, Jess is just all cold and detached. Um, and uh, Liz is kind of disturbed by this uh, way that she's being. She's like, yeah. you know, I hope you're happy. This is what you wanted, isn't it? You got me in trouble as usual. And Liz is like, what are you talking about? I didn't get you in trouble. I never get you in trouble. Like you get yourself in trouble. Um and this all just kind of sends Jessica off on this mad maniacal tangent where she starts laughing and she's like, of course, I forgot. You have never done anything remotely bad. You've never made a mistake. Well, I'll tell you something, Liz. I've made my last mistake. And that was letting people tell me what I can and cannot do. Everyone's against me. The school, my own family. Everyone's trying to ruin my life. Oh my God. The drama of it all. So dramatic. Yeah. So we're kind of, she's kind of back to like, building up like when she was going to run away from home basically is yes. the kind of vibe we're getting so like they have like in fairness they have done this before with Jess so it's mm. just another kind of Jess yeah. oh but she's not being herself because she's so defeated <laughs> and different and deflated and it's not like her it's like apart from the last time that she did this it's not like exactly her exactly yeah, okay. and also the <laughs> yeah. like blaming Liz and the girl yeah. Liz is so perfect mm, yeah. everyone loves we've Liz. been here we've very much been here before like yeah they even did the dinner thing earlier we're like oh yes. Liz made dinner that's so yeah. she's so perfect that's it her comparing herself to Liz and feeling like everyone likes Liz more and no one's no one's on her side and all this kind of thing so we, we've had this exact fucking trajectory before but we're going to do it again guys <laughs> so strap yeah. in but we're going to do it with quite a fun twist. Oh, hell yes. Because Jessica says she's not going to take it anymore. And Liz leaves her in peace, but she's worried and wonders what Jessica meant by saying she's not going to take it anymore. Ooh. And that's the end of Rosa's Lie. Oh, my God. Can you read us out, please? How far will Jessica go to get the attention she needs? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 82. <gasps> Kidnapped by the cult. Yes. <laughs> The good friends. Oh my God, I have such strong memories of this. Oh my God. I do actually remember reading this one as well. Um, For some reason, I really remember her like eating muesli as being like one of the big changes <laughs> of Jessica. That was really out of character for her. I don't know why that stuck with me, but I was like, muesli, I know what that is. <laughs> but I'm excited for this one. Muesli and all. <laughs> I did not remember the muesli part. I just remembered that they were called the good friends. There was Brilliant. a they had a charismatic leader called yes. Adam. Of course. And they Fantastic. had a van. Hell yes. And a house. <laughs> good calls too. A van and a house. That's my main memories of it. Well, I'm very much looking forward to reading this one. I think Same. it will be uh quite a wild ride. But oh, I think so. Before we get there, can you give us some stats and outfits? I can. So the stats were kind of disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Um, the, yeah, the Wakefield Blondness only got one mention. No. Um, and the Blue Green Eyes only got two. Good Lord. Yeah, like Rose's black hair got two mentions, which like was on par with Wakefield's, which is like, God, what's happening, you guys? Mm. <laughs> need more Wakefield stuff. Yeah. Surprising. Any, mm. uh, so anything else? We had some outfits. Um, Jess, when she's sunning herself at the start, is in an orange tank top, which... 
you know, mm. I guess it goes with her tan. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, one of the other pledges uh, from the like interview stage of the PBA nonsense uh, is in a shell pink silk tank top. Because it's not mm. just blouses, you guys. It's tank tops as well. I love their silk. <laughs> they sure do. My goodness. The teens of uh, the jazz. They love the silk. Oh, my God. They're all ancient, aren't they? Um, <laughs> Rose, the dress that her grandmother liked was, it was a turquoise sundress, which sounds quite nice. Mm. And uh, the dress that Rose had tried on in the shop uh, before deciding that she had a very nice handmade dress in a handmade box at home uh, was a plain black sequined chemise, which sounds... <gasps> Quite mm. lovely. But then, yes, Lila, of course, steals the show, even with her terrible racism. Uh, her dress <laughs> at the uh, induction ceremony thingy. She's, uh, yes, when Lila faced them and struck a dramatic pose. I mean, I can just picture her like, I don't know, with like a hand to her forehead or something, something like a silhouette. Oh. I don't know. I imagined it a, a hand at a sort of raised aloft. <gasps> like RuPaul, kind of. Yes. Yeah. I made the best pledge win. <laughs> oh my God, it's Lila's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, Lila, why were you so evil? That, like, we just want to enjoy you. We yeah, just let it. us enjoy you. <laughs> Stop ruining Don't it for so everyone. awful. Like, by the way, obviously if Lila was a real person doing this, we would hopefully try and, you know, like challenger in a mm. more constructive way but because yes. she is a fictional character who we have often enjoyed we're just like why are you doing this to us Lila it's all about us now <laughs> how could you uh, but yes the, the pose that she is striking is done so in a glittering gold dress <laughs> and she's got a big red rose tucked in her shining hair and she seems to Rosa more glamorous than any movie star <laughs> <gasps> amazing work by Lila on the looks front not so on much on anything else yeah. yes well, listeners, let us know what you thought about uh, Rose's lie. Mexican, Mexican-American listeners, Mexican-Irish listeners, uh, mm. do let us know about their uh, depiction of Mexico, which does not ring entirely true to no. us. Again, it is very like an Irish episode of something where everyone's yes. fucking digging stones out of a field. And yes. <laughs> oh, you it. have fancy shops. Well, <laughs> it's far from fancy shops we were reared. <laughs> yeah. That's what I sound like when I am being on your wire and a Nikira. What's your surname in Irish again? Niwina Khan. <laughs> Stop laughing. I like my. I'm, I can't laugh. My mind sounds like so. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so obviously, we do record this in our uh, tiny little beehive huts. <laughs> Out on the Skellix. Yes. <laughs> With a pig under one arm <laughs> and a pint in the other, <laughs> and some cabbage on our plates. <laughs> that is how we roll. Um, but uh, yeah, let us know what you thought, listeners. We love hearing from you. You can uh, contact us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can check us out on Instagram where Karen has been doing sterling work and a lot of you uh, did go to, to to various means to say that you did find the last episode hard going. <laughs> That's fair. Oh my God, that fucking book. But yeah, yeah. I think we might have to just do that uh, Nicholas Morrow deadly thriller thing as penance or something <laughs> <laughs> to make it up to everybody. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> did find people who literally said they couldn't they couldn't finish it. <laughs> I just fell asleep. <laughs> it was two and a half hours. I mean, that was a mistake. But so was oh, this one. We said at the beginning one. it was going to be short. We were going to try and make it shorter and we couldn't. <laughs> oh, I don't know. What is wrong with us? 
I don't know. We're not, we're not being timed in a studio anymore where we have to get out to let other people in. It's like when we're left to our own devices, we will just keep going. We will. Well, you know, we gotta we gotta keep feeding those pigs. <laughs> Stones aren't gonna pick themselves. <laughs> We've got potatoes to be to be dug. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yes, uh, there's a, a few people like I am Sarah, 1981, and Maria Teresa Biblioteca are uh, glad to see the arrival of Sam finally yes. in the timeline. Um, so, yes, uh, I am Sarah did say I wish they would have kept him around longer. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so we're, all, we're all lamenting poor Sam, and he's only just gotten here. Fifteen books. <laughs> Oh. Uh, Flimflam1411 said so much denim on one cover that the girl they both, they both loved it is a lot of denim so much yeah and uh, News from Neon said between Ned's surprisingly gender progressive take on male versus female skills and Michael's horrific boyfriend behaviour this book gave me severe whiplash <laughs> yes very fair <laughs> um but uh, yes, Margin of Butter said, when you said that the one about the twin brother was the worst one so far, I remembered this one was coming next and thought you'd better strap in for more bad characters who are never seen again. I write you were. <laughs> um, yes, but somebody did say that uh, Claire P.H. said we should definitely do the Nicholas Morrow super thriller uh, soon. And um, uh, intriguingly... <laughs> We uh, we did get giddy up. Said uh, Michael was just an annoying tantrumy child in this. I don't know how you managed not to, not to throw the book at the wall. On the plus side, I enjoyed finding out that Jessica shares the get a hot guy to do it approach to break down assistance with Belinda Blumenthal. <laughs> so true. Oh my God, they're one and the same sometimes. <laughs> and flat faced bitch and Maria Teresa Biblioteca also thought about uh, Belinda, uh, which I can't believe I didn't. Though I made memory of, of my dad wrote a porter on the roads is when the duchess ended up just lying in the, in the gravel writhing in ecstasy and oh, waving geez. goodbye to somebody to Belinda as she drove off down the road <laughs> Gee, it wasn't Belinda in a car crash or something it was she just was. like lying on the road with her boobs out until a hot surgeon came along or something he was well I think it was either Brazilian or Portuguese oh, God. Yeah. if listeners if you have not listened to my dad wrote a porno it is very very funny we strongly recommend it um but uh Pippi and Shirley shared the story about how she had has spent 22 years with a Michael guy but oh. uh, we're happy to report that there's still hope for April because uh Pippi Ann is doing uh, much more happily now and hmm. uh, she hopes April will too. Hopefully by also running Mike over. Well oh. said, Pippi Ann, Shirley. Absolutely. We would love that. We would. Jen <laughs> uh, Cantrell made the good point saying, I feel like they just wanted to introduce Sam and his dirt bike into the storyline, but they decided to bore us to death with this stupid <laughs> dirt bike character who's no one cared about. And I think <laughs> this is very true. It is extremely true. Yeah, I think she has hit the nail on the head there. And uh, I also want to uh, thank the people who joined me in being demonically horny about Father Paul from Midnight Mass in the comments of one of our other posts, because that descended pretty quickly into all of us going to hell. But uh, I loved it. So thank you for (laughs) endorsing that uh, decision on my behalf. Like silent spaces said, forgive me, Father, for I'm currently (laughs) sinning. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
So, hilariously, Laura Kate Diva said, uh, indeed, that the book, the episode took her long to get through, but uh, it, she took a break. And in that time, I organised my husband's birthday present. I got him a dirt bike riding experience. I did not even make the connection until I got in the car today and your podcast continued to autoplay. I was like, oh, that's why I bought him that. If my husband ever finds out his super cool birthday present was inspired by Sweet Valley, I will never live it down. <laughs> and for what it's worth, he's definitely an artie. Hooray! I love that. We're secretly influencing people without even realising. <laughs> Subliminal messages. <laughs> Fucking hell, big time. Oh, God. Oh, we also got an amazing email uh, oh, from Raphael Steinzig, uh, which, oh my God, it was this gorgeous email that we absolutely loved. Uh, but uh, I suppose related to, to the episode we've just done, uh, she revealed that she went to a school in California that had sororities in it. Yes! She, like, I, it, it's real. <laughs> and in you know recent times yeah in the 90s a yeah. school with sororities like crazy shit uh, and uh, this was I don't know did we mention it on here or it might have been just on Instagram but like there was like in this school like there was an actual murder because of the sororities oh my god uh, but the, which went on to be like a TV movie starring Tori Spelling I think is a death of a cheerleader it's called um, so yeah mad shit but even, even after all that the sororities were still there when yes. she was in the school which like what is happening it sounded absolutely appalling. Um, so uh, she uh, she also said that she never did coke because of Regina, as uh, because she always thought of Regina and felt sure she would die of the spot. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's uh, kind of a recurring theme with Sweet Valley readers. <laughs> it seems Ooh. like that's, that was our major takeaway: was absolutely do not do coke. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much for getting in touch, Raphael, uh, and uh, we loved hearing from you, and we're so yeah. happy that you have been enjoying the mm. the show, and um, we uh, we really appreciate you listening, and we really appreciate all of you listening, and if you would like. To have even more of us in your ears. <laughs> if two and a half hours of an episode isn't enough for you. <laughs> um, you know, and we know how devoted you are to Sweet Valley because one another listener, Varga, uh, wrote to say that her um her husband made her a 40th birthday present that where he got her friends to pose in the poses of various Sweet Valley covers and made a calendar out of it. Oh my God. Yes. That was Katie. I think Katie Varga. It's a fucking oh, incredible sorry. calendar. It was so good. Like her friends went for it and in, in fantastic style. Oh, Katie, we are jealous. And uh, <laughs> I think everybody will want one of those calendars in their, in their lives. Um, but uh, if you don't have a Sweet Valley character enacted by your friends to entertain you <laughs> and you do want more Sweet Valley in your life, then you can sign up to Headstuff Plus and join our good Pi Beta Alpha. <laughs> the good one where people are sound. Yes. Uh, yes. If you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can join up for Headstuff Plus for as little as five euros a month <gasps> and it'll give you access to all our bonus content. So there's like t- like 21 episodes of PBA yeah. up there now where we're recapping the TV series, uh, which we're having fucking tremendous crack doing. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, so you get access to that. You get access to every other uh, shows, uh, show on the network, all their bonus content too. And you get discounts on our gorgeous merch, uh, <gasps> which you can pick up at shop.headstuff.org. 
so there's like loads of benefits there. I mean, my gosh, 21 episodes of bonus content. Why not? Oh, my. seriously, we you may not think you're interested in that TV show. Neither did we. We were also surprised by our sudden devotion to it because I fucking love it now and I need it to be on Disney+. Plus. Oh my God. Yeah, I, we, I know that I have put in an official request. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that it, uh, they do listen to all our pleas. So if Please you would Disney. like, um, if you would like to for Sweet Valley High to be available on Disney Plus fill in the feedback form Mm. and uh, because we you know we will be we're nearly finished season one but we will be continuing obviously it's just that we are relying on YouTube and after season one the quality of the videos I don't (laughs) think there'll be as many screen caps no it takes quite a dive in quality unfortunately but we will persevere and do our best (laughs) it does so we will and uh, we will be there for you listeners every fortnight in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse where uh, we're all are welcome and another thing by the way if you want to support the show and it doesn't cost you a single penny you can wait and review us on the podcast provider of your choice because uh, we it's been a long time since we've asked anybody to to do it and thank Mm. you so much everybody who has but it does really help spread the word about the show so if you are enjoying it uh, do please give us a rating we would really appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah anything like that or like just sharing stuff on Twitter or Instagram when we're putting up our own nonsense like all that kind of stuff doesn't cost anything but really helps us out so and we love it when you do that it's it's great so thank you so much for all your support and we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters not in Fowler Crest but in our clubhouse uh, mm-hmm. next week for this TV series version of Say Goodbye <gasps> We can't wait to be shot of Todd. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> they better get rid of him. Um, but we will see all of you back here in the main feed in two weeks when we find out what happens <laughs> when Jessica is kidnapped by the cult. Holy shit. It's going to be good. It's going to be muesli. I'm excited. <laughs> see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.